Welcome in, everybody. Um, just played that song just a little bit longer than normal because it's it's divisive, this boxing. Tommy Fury taking on Jake Paul. <clears throat> boxing aficionados desperate for Tommy Fury to beat a YouTuber in the Saudi Arabian match. Uh, Sammy told me just before at the end of round seven they put up scorecards. I hope they're not the official ones having it as a tied fight. Whereas... I think Jake Paul's been lucky to win one round. And then in this round, um, Tommy Fury slipped over and the referee ruled it as a knockdown. So it's a 10-8 round unless Tommy Fury can put Jake Paul on his backside. There's only 30 seconds to go in round eight. And I had the feeling even before the fight started, didn't if the, if the fight goes the distance, Jake Paul will win because he's more marketable in a follow-up fight. And in the way in yesterday, he said he'll be coming back to fight again in Saudi Arabia. Um, so I think clear, clear victory to Tommy Fury, but I'll keep you up to date when the judges' scorecards are read out. Here's my prediction. Split decision to Jake Paul in a farcical scoring event. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, New Zealand uh, men's sevens team, uh, hot off the press, have just beaten, scrolling, scrolling, just beaten Australia... 33-17 in the semi-final of the Los Angeles World Sevens, which is brilliant. They will go on to play Argentina, who just got over the top of Fiji by 20-17. to So New Zealand-Argentina in the first and second match playoff in Los Angeles. And Smithy tells me that the PGA Tour has gone to a playoff, which I hadn't been following at all. There's so many things to try, try to follow. Uh, so it is Chris Kirk and Eric Cole into the playoff so I'll keep you up to date with that they haven't oh yes they have started have they started no they haven't started so they'll be starting on they'll play hole 1 sorry they'll play hole 18 17 18 so I'll keep you up to date with that so much stuff has gone on over the weekend holy hecka cricket super rugby started Opiki started a stupid boxing fight has been on keeping an eye on that to see what this result's going to be but welcome in. Welcome to a brand new week. You are on Afternoons with Staffy here on ECNZ in association with our friends at Gull. They fuel your mission and my mission all year round. What do we got today? We have got Daniel McCarty coming into us just after one o'clock. Uh, crickets ticking along okay, although I am seeing a replay at the moment. Is that an appeal? No, he's daylight outside there, so I think we're still four wickets down. I think we're still four wickets down with Kane Williamson and Daryl Mitchell at the crease. Looking to press on. I'll give you more exact figures, but I think we're leading by about 20, 25. Uh, we are, of course, in day four. So after the first session, Daniel McCarty, live from the Basin Reserve, will join us. And then good to catch up with a bloke I haven't spoken to for the longest time, former Wellington Lions, Hurricanes and All Black, who's been over at the Western Force for a while. He retired last year and he's the assistant coach of the academy team. And then he turned up on the bench for the Western Force and he scored the match-winning try. Incredible. Incredible for Thrushy. So looking forward to catching up with him live out of Perth just after two. Uh, hopefully talk to someone out of the Matatu Opiki side uh, at about 2.30 and at 3 o'clock. James Preston is a Kiwi 800-metre runner preparing for um, the New Zealand Championships this coming weekend. And uh, he won a big race over in Australia last week that I watched on YouTube live, actually. So we'll catch up with a few of the athletes as we build up towards that. We'll also find out what's making news. We'll also play the vault. We're up to 
$200. Yes, $200 on the vault. People are close. We'll revisit Show Me The Money. We'll have a look back in the day. But Midday Madness, we're just going to wrap the start of Super Rugby. What did you make of the law changes, the results? And I'm thinking I might just throw the lines open to Crusaders fans, throw Sammy Hewitt's microphone open as the seemed to be the Lone Ranger supporting the Chiefs last week. He copped it left, right and centre. He dished it out too, but a moral victory for Sam, is it? Interested to see if one particular caller rings up, uh, because he said he would. He's not there yet, but we'll see if he does. But bravely, we do have Mikey from Christchurch. We'll join him. Let's go with Midday Madness. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Well, the great news is... Um, Tommy Fury has beaten Jake Paul in a split decision in a split decision which I thought was quite simply a unanimous decision maybe Jake Paul could have won two rounds but Tommy Fury is absolutely delighted so there we go, a victory for boxing over YouTube let's go to Mikey and Christchurch g'day Mikey <laughs> hey Staffy <laughs> I thought after Last Thursday's banter filled out. I thought it would be remissively not to phone up and take my medicine. That's for sure. Excellent. Um, oh, you've, you've, you've got it, right? You've got it. I thought, so what did I pick? I picked an 18 point victory. And geez, I didn't expect it the other way around. <laughs> um, Brody Retallick was immense, which is actually, that's great news for all blacks. Yes. Um, yeah, we just got, we got, we got smashed. I couldn't believe it, to be honest. <laughs> Sitting there up in Hamden Springs with eight of my Crusaders, mate, so we're just looking at going, well, what's happening here? But uh, no, well-deserved victory, well-deserved thumping. There's nothing we can complain about, but I hope the boys at Rugby Park this morning are getting an absolute towel-down from their coach <laughs> and have a good, hard look at themselves and <laughs> get this bloody train back on track. But yeah, good on you, Sammy. I hope he enjoyed it. I'm sure he did. I'm waiting for him to talk. I just... I <laughs> just, 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 just soaking it, soaking it in, uh, marinating in it. Just business as usual, I think. Business as usual, Mikey. I mean, you, you said uh, you couldn't believe it. Well, I mean, for me, it was should have been dollar ten at the TAB. Chiefs winning that one, um, thirteen oh. plus two, which is uh, which was great for the for the tipping competition. Um, was Richie already in Japan? You know, I didn't I didn't know where he was. I didn't know where he was on Friday night, but he wasn't there. If anything, he seemed to be trying to just do it all himself, and that doesn't help. You need that. You need everybody doing that. So, uh, hey, look. At the end of the day, we got thumped. You got thumped. Yep. Nice. Good yep. man, Mikey. All right. Cheers, yeah. buddy. Bye, <laughs> mate. Um, then we'll go to Blues territory. Talk to the life member Zade. G'day, Zade. Choo. Yeah. <laughs> do you'd be oh, happy? Joey Wheeler, mate. What have you got to say about that one? I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know if I did pick the win at biggest margin. I think someone might have picked more than 25 in the end. I'm not sure. But oh. um, <clears throat> you, you've got to get him in the All Blacks. Mark Talia. Ho, ho. He'll be there, mate. He was fantastic, yeah. wasn't he? He was brilliant. I want to see him do it against the Chiefs or the Crusaders, yeah, though, just to make sure. But I, you can't take anything away from what he did. I mean, I thought the Blues were going to be a bit brusky, but you can't really get a better game 
first up team than that. And I think the Highlanders are going to be in for a long year. I can see Moana or the Drua tipping them up the way they played on the weekend. They've just got no number 10. Fakatava looked their best player by far, but Mitch Hunt, he wasn't there. Then Freddie Burns comes on. He's about he's about 50. Well, I mean, he's not 50, but he's been retired and out of retirement. But I don't, I don't think they're going to have a good year, the Highlanders. I think it's going to be a long year. And, um, yeah, the Blues were just much, were just all over them. Um, they it could have been more. It could have been more if they um, didn't come back a little bit in the end of that first half. But um, if the Blues didn't have those yellow cards, I think they would have won by more than forty. It was yeah, it, it was total domination. Um, Dalton Papali'i was great, you know. Um, Bowden Barrett didn't miss a didn't miss only one kick out of about eight, so he had his kicking boots on as well. It was just great performance all, all around, you know. It was just. Just the Blues was just great. Um, easy game, so, yeah. I'm pleased you picked great up about Bodie's kicking because in a, in a massive win like that, you still got to kick your goals, and he did. I thought he, he looked really good off the tee. Yeah, yeah he did. Nice, uh, nice yeah. save. Well, we, uh, I, for the Blues. I've got Manai going through all the entries from last week to see if you did have the biggest margin because you called through yours, but we got a whole lot of texts as well, so he's picking his way through yeah, those. Yeah. Sweet. All good then. Thank you. Take it easy, mate. There is Zaid from. We know where he's from. He's from Auckland. Um, keeping my eye on this PGA Tour playoff. They're still going, so I'll keep you up to date with that. Next, we go to the great man from Tutukaka, Michael. G'day, Michael. Hey, Steffi. How are you? I'm brilliant. I'm going to have to jump on the Zaid and Ken bandwagon at this early stage of the season, I would suggest. And <laughs> say, hey, they did pretty well, those boys. Yes, but um, I and and and, and I think um, that that winger um, Talia, he's he's going to be the find of the season probably. Um, uh, you like to say Bodie did nothing wrong, but I think just as 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 a, I watched the, I don't usually watch a lot of Super Twelve. I like rugby, but I'm not uh, as fanatical as some of the other guys that call in. But I thought it was like it was really good to watch. It was fast. I think it was the Blues game. There was only three scrums in the whole game or was that the Canterbury game? I can't remember. When did you last see a game of top-level rugby with only you know three scrums and the line-outs became important and, and they, it was a real good spectacle, you know? Like, it was um, it was actually good to watch. The refs did it right and, um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it in the weekend. I watched two or three other games or bits and pieces of them, you know? Um, I mean, I've got a couple of mates that are Chiefs supporters and I gave them a crying emoji for the first try the Crusaders got, but then it was all against me after that. So, hey, good effort from, from everyone, really. Yeah, the big thing for me was, and I didn't really expect it to please me as much, as, and I, I sort of didn't think about it, the no huddles before line-outs. So quite often teams will go into a huddle and the referee's saying, come on, start the line-out. Well, there's a clock now. So the no huddle line-out yep. did lead to more... Um, evenly contested lineouts, which I thought was brilliant. Um, Canterbury are masters of, and Crusaders are masters of slowing a game down, having a talk before scrums, having a talk before lineouts. That's been taken away. So it's how quick they can adapt to, you know, they enjoy slowing a game down. And that's not, that hasn't been illegal. It's now illegal have how those, they adapt. Have these new, have these new rules, Steph, have been put in place for the World Cup or for test matches? Uh, they're being trialled in Super Rugby. rugby being trialled in Super Rugby. Right, because if, like, if, if, you know, there's always the comparison between league and rugby, how league's faster and there's less stoppages, right? If 
if, if rugby carries on like this, it'll do a lot to catch up, I would have thought. I mean, I heard a late guy ring up the boys on breakfast this morning going, mate, I don't usually watch rugby, but I really enjoyed it because it was fast and it was quick. So that's that's a testament that someone's done something right, you know? Yeah, oh, I think it's been... And those two, um, the, the two, um, Moana Pacifica and the Drua, mate, that was a great game too, eh? Those Wasn't boys it? Just, they, just, they just had a blast, eh? And... and um, Sage, right? They'll they'll tip someone up. Those boys, eh? Like they're not gonna. I don't think they came to be last this year. It's going to be a good comp, eh? Oh, really good. I can't wait for it. Can't wait so, for it. And um, go the cricketers too, because I reckon I don't know whether it will win it, but if Mitchell whacked a quick ton, it'll get interesting. Yes, we need something special from someone. Um, I think um, like the Black Caps did really well yesterday. They, they for the first time in this series, they actually got in and applied themselves and um, showed that you know they can do it. And you could see the English bowlers. I mean, it's typical with bowlers when there's no success, the old chin goes down. But those um, Broad and, and um, what's his name weren't happy yesterday. Eh? They were um, they were going nowhere quickly, and, and you know the, our openers did a really good job to hold them out for as long as they did. Yeah, agree with you, mate. Um, Two seventy eight for four at the moment. Mitchell's got forty three off forty. He's auditioning for the England cricket team. There you go. Well, maybe, yeah. Hey, All good. Take care. Have a good one, Steffi. You too, Michael. Always good to hear from you, buddy. Let's now go to Tomo. G'day, Tomo. Hey, Steffi. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Tomo. Mate, just um, wanted to have a chat about, mate, not just the Crusaders, but rugby in general. Um, it's something that's been bugging me for a while about it, mate. The amount of times we seem to be kicking the ball away, it, it seems to have become a New Zealand rugby thing. Box kicks, mate. Oh, they do my head and they were still quite prevalent. But, yeah, and grubber kicks and, yeah, the, a lot of kicking. Yeah, mate, we, we used to sort of set the standard as far as keeping the ball in hand, running it back and being dangerous and things like that. But at the moment, sometimes even from first phase play, it seems to be our go-to first plan, basically. Yeah, it's lost its surprise element as well. Like, I don't mind those um, big, what do they call them, kick passes from Bodie Barrett out to a wing. I don't mind those, but all of this incessant grubber kicks when the defence is hard up in your face and it gets tangled up in legs. And I've always said, when you've got the ball in your hand, you've got 100% possession. As soon as you kick it, it goes 50-50. Why would you do it? Yeah, that's right, mate. And, you know, big, big, big props to the Chiefs. You know, they did well and they showed that, you know, they had the intent to run the ball back and keep it in hand. And, and it showed on the on the day that, you know, that, that it, it works. Mm. It does work. It does work, mate. Um, are you in Brisbane, Tomo? I am, mate. Oh, good to have a rugby fan in Brisbane. Do you go along to any Reds games? Oh, I'm not, I've been to a few, mate. Not too many. I'm coaching over here, though. Coach Juniors. Um, yeah, big, big issues in the system over here. Yeah, nice. Yes, big issues. Um, what, what's the junior take-up of the rugby like over there? Oh, it's pretty good, mate, but um, once they get to under-10s, they play on a Sunday. So you lose a lot of the Pacific Island kids and things like that to rugby league because they have church on a Sunday, so they're not allowed to play. Ah, fascinating. Under-10s. So you're losing them at 10. Yeah, mate, you are. we are. We lose a lot of them at under-10 and up. And, um, 
you know, if you're not involved in the school system over here, um, you pretty much don't get picked up as, you know, a lot of the talented kids just get lost and they end up going to rugby league. It's $80 or something for the fees, whereas my son's $380 for his fees for an under 10. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, let's hope something can be fixed from Rugby Australia to address that because lose them at 10, you won't get them back at 20. No, that's right, mate. Some of them last through to under 14, under 15, and then they move off to basketball or something like that or, you know, find girlfriends and stuff. But there's not really the pathways like I used to know back home. Mm. Oh, well, good on you for sticking at it and coaching the juniors, though, mate. Some might, You might keep hold of some of them. Good to hear from you, Tomo. You too, mate. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Um, New Zealand 281 for four. Mitchell on 44. Williamson on 49. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Steve from Auckland after the break. The lines are open. Uh, really keen to hear what you made of Super Rugby rules, rule changes, players, teams. Fill your boots. Love to hear from you. 0800 150 811. We go to Steve. G'day, Steve. Oh, good to Steph. I hope you're well, mate. Yes, I am. Thank you, um, Steve. Good, good to hear. Listen, pretty much in agreement with everybody with, with regards to the, the tweaks in and around time-wasting. And also, I love the rule where the halfback can't go around. Boy, it gives a number eight such a good attacking, attacking platform, especially if you've got a dominant scrum. That's first thing. Second thing is just on the... Chiefs game on uh, Friday night, man, some great performances, and it was just good Good to see somebody like Guzzler getting back to his best, just starting to see that, so I'm just wondering if he's just maybe trying to get his timing right for this year, and I've spoken to you about this guy before, Sean Stevenson, yeah. if, uh, if, Mark, if Mark Talia was brilliant on the night before while Stevenson was bloody, not quite as awesome, but man, right up there, and he just to me, just brings a different sort of skill set to yeah. a team. I, I, suppose, I suppose, Steph, the only thing I've got to say, I was just a little bit disappointed that the Chiefs didn't always use him to kick out of the red zone. They used McKenzie, but listen, credit to DMAC. I actually thought he managed that game really well. And I've got one more point, but I just want to get your thoughts on uh, that Chiefs game. Yep. Oh, my thoughts on the Chiefs game? Yeah, I thought um, they took a game to Christchurch of abrasion, combativeness, and I've always thought that's the way you beat the Crusaders by trucking it up the middle and knocking them over, knocking it and softening them up and then and then cashing in later on. And I thought their game plan worked to an absolute T. I thought their loose Ford trio outplayed the Crusaders trio. I thought D-Mac outplayed Richie Moonga, but that was on the platform that the forwards gave him. And yeah. on Sean Stevenson, the thing I like about him is his unpredictability. He gets the ball. You're not oh. quite sure what he's going to do, and neither do the opposition, and that's a big plus for me. Oh, absolutely. And just, just finally on the on the Blues game, but I've come to the conclusion that <clears throat> during the summer break, all the Barrett boys got together and practiced their grubber kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I tell you, each and every one of them, even Scott, I think, put in a couple of couple of kicks on on Friday night. But, you know, I think we all love Bowden Barrett of what he can do. But, you know, there are times I just want Bowden to actually manage a game. And, boy, a lot of those little kicks were just unnecessarily. I don't think you, I don't think you can give the ball away based on 50-50 plays. In, in the bottom, in the modern game, um, impressive from the Blues. I thought their discipline, though, was a concern, and, and more of a concern is the discipline of Nepo Lalala. And listen, congratulations to to Nepo on a hundred Super Games, amazing achievement, and also offer. But man, the amount of penalties these two guys with a lot of experience give away in a game, and a lot of in a lot of cases, Mozo 
always penalties penalties are really needless penalties and uh, I don't know whether to make a big deal of that, out of this and I felt a little bit sorry for Rowena Davenport from the New Zealand Rugby Football Union but boy if you're going to mention somebody's name at least try and get it right because it just sounded sounded awkward I actually felt a little bit little bit sorry for her if you know what I mean um, I know with a lot of us these Pacific Island names uh, are pretty tough but uh, you know I think when you work for the establishment um, you know, most of those players are, are, are part of your organisation as well, and I think it's pretty important that you get their names right. I do too, and it just takes 10 minutes of practice, write it out phonetically, and just repeat, 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 because you know you're going to be saying it. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing. I'm with you, Steve. Hey, listen, great to hear from you, Stevie. Thanks, mate. Awesome, awesome brother. Cheers, buddy. We've got time for one more before the news, a couple of minutes away. Dean from Dunedin. G'day, Dino. Yes, Steve, how are you? Good, buddy. Yeah, I thought it was interesting weekend, to be brutally honest. Like, I watched the Six Nations stuff as well, and I honestly, the NZR review would be the only review on the planet that would change the rules in World Cup year. Like, I think it was great. I think it's the way the game needs to go, but it ain't going to happen at the end of the year. So why are you playing it in World Cup year? Our halfbacks are going to go back to some other thing that they'll have, they're not even playing. That's just, that's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous and totally expected from them. Mm, yeah, it's um, it's a really good point I hadn't thought of, actually. They're going to have to relearn the old rules again before the World Cup. Well, if you watch the Six Nations and the, the, the professional slowing the ball down, it's incredible. You did, these new rules, I didn't actually realise how much of an impact on the game it had yeah, until same. this round of Super Rugby. And it was outstanding to see the ball in play but why isn't it next year we're doing it why are we doing it this year that's just it just sums up the NZRFU the Northern Hemisphere wouldn't change their rules in World Cup year no way oh, and the Northern Hemisphere won't adopt these ones if they're asked if they'd like to either because it goes against their modus operandi doesn't it so why are we doing it yeah amazing yeah and as for the, as for the games mate like Honestly, my players of the day on the Chiefs game were Ethan Blackadder and Sivu Reese. I just can't understand how all these other people that comment on rugby want to see tries being scored, and that's all they see. The All Blacks going into this World Cup under Forster are going to have back football probably with limited combinations with experience. So you've got to have some defensive players there. And he was absolutely outstanding, but he's getting a bum deal from the selection. He doesn't get much game time because of putting Will Jordan in his jersey. It just I thought the, the pair of them and a beaten side were absolutely outstanding. Yeah, yeah, there was some there were still some good performers in, in losing teams. I agree with you. Dino, we have to scoot to news. Appreciate hearing from you. No problem. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Dean out of Dunin. I agree. Ethan Blackadder. I said last week he was the one I was most looking forward to. Been out of rugby for a long time, and he was brilliant in a losing side. Uh, I've had a few texts saying, one from Ken saying, hey, Staffy, has Kenny the Cantab gone into hiding after that dismal effort by the Crusaders? Cheers, Ken. I can tell you what, Ken, Kenny's on hold. He's going to join Sam after the news. Listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. I regret to inform you that Daryl Mitchell's been dismissed. Tom Blundell's out there yet to face the ball. 297 for five. 
New Zealand lead by 71. Um, Kane Williamson on 55 off 150. Stuart Broad, uh, the wicket taker. But this is the moment I've been waiting for for, a num- for for quite a wee while. Joining us from Christchurch is Kenny. Good afternoon, Kenny. Is it, Steph? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Little little bit of weather outside, but otherwise things are good. Never seen a happier Sam Hewitt on a Monday in my life. Oh, I've taken the iPad shot, Steph. Well done, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, righto. <laughs> the only thing with that Mate, song, Sammy... have gone down to playing that. Oh, to the contrary, Kenny, actually, with the, the data suggests that when we play that song out, uh, you know, numbers go through the roof. Um, big influx of money into the station as well. Um, look, Kenny, I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch that entire game just thinking of you um, and just the, the sweet call of this morning. And was it a slab of Waikato in the end? I, I might have missed that part on Friday, um, but I'll, I'll get him and I to, um, to send you my address and pass it on to you. <laughs> send it to work. Yeah, send it to work, actually. That'd be great. I'll let everyone, everyone have a drop of the old lady. I'll do you one better. I'll just deliver it personally. Oh, oh that a boy. There we go. That a boy. That a boy. Hey, look, the, the reality is, Steph, um, and Kenny, you'll, you'll appreciate this, and the people from um, Christchurch do, is that, and I've had this as from some of the other teams I support, and you get really annoyed when teams revel in beating you. But it just shows how good your team is if people take this much joy oh, in beating you. Absolutely. Because they wouldn't take this much joy in beating well, the Highlanders or the Hurricanes, you know. So it, it's, you should take it as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll still get the trophy in the cabinet, don't oh, we? Oh, here we go. There we go. <laughs> That's right. The thing that I was actually really surprised about, Steph, because I you predicted that it was going to be a high-scoring game in terms of both teams scoring a lot of points and we might get like a 38-35. And, you know, without trying to sound like we've blown the trumpet too much here. I was actually surprised at how sort of dominant the Chiefs really were, mm. especially in that second half. And I just thought, um, you know, it just didn't look like that Crusaders' dominant side of old, even though you had some great standout performances from like Ethan Blackadder, et cetera. Yeah, I just, I sort of was a bit shocked myself. Kenny, Kenny how much do you reckon your side missed Samuel Whitelock? Mm. Oh, hey, mm. hey. But I, I reckon actually... Um, Hats off to Clayton McMillan there because I think that's the first chink in the armour of Razor we've seen, maybe. Mm. I, I the game plan. We were, just, we were outplayed. We are outcoached, really, I think. Um, on the field, I didn't think we were actually that bad. There were a couple. Sammy, you probably predicted this on Friday, and, yeah, I think there were a couple of pretty sketchy calls on the on the reffing, but they go both ways. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think we were outcoached more than anything, to be fair. I, I actually sent a tweet out just saying, we saw last year the impact Jason Ryan had on the All Blacks, and I think we've just seen the impact Jason Ryan had on the Crusaders because they were beaten up in the forwards. That's it, yeah. Mm. We go looking for excuses and looking for reasons. Of course you do. You, you always do. And, and like, I was just pulling up the stats before because I wanted to check the position stats because I felt like the Chiefs uh, dominated the position. Pretty even, 52 to 48. But mm. it was just things like um, the Chiefs clean breaks, 14 to 1. Mm. You know, and then you look at um, defenders beaten, 50 to 18. Wow. And it was just we, we were able to yeah. do stuff with ball yeah. in hand. And just little things as well. Like obviously, this, the try we scored off the tap kick, and we've actually got some audio from Brad Webber here, Steph, where, you know, they're used to um, taking a set piece, so a scrum or a line-out. But the Chiefs knew full well, you take a, a line-out or a scrum and it's advantage Crusaders. So they just tapped the ball and ran a set play off that mm. and scored a try. It's just doing something a bit different, I think, that, um, mm. yeah, it sort of caught, caught the Crusaders off guard maybe. 
I think the one thing that we really, really missed, and it was probably accentuated a bit because of how well Sean Stevenson played, we really missed Will Jordan. Yeah. All those clean breaks and those those tackle busts and those sorts of things, the offloads, those are the things that Will Jordan really uh, kind of ignites for us, and we, we really missed that. And the other thing is um, the Crusaders, in, in my observation, they're a very good structured side. As soon as Damian McKenzie's in the 10 jersey, much like Sean Stevenson, you don't know what they're going to do. It's quite hard to set up for that. Will he run? Will he kick? Will he pass? Will he step backwards and loop? Will he run directly? He, he creates a lot of questions. And I thought his interview after the game was brilliant. He said, oh, look, I'm not quite up to speed yet, and the collisions were a lot harder than Japan, but I'll learn. And he's got a wonderful skill set, Damian McKenzie. And I just think with him at 10... And with Stevenson at 15, it's a bit like the rugby league spine of unpredictability. And I think that'll carry the Chiefs a long way this year. Well, he did have an outstanding game, Seth, um, Damian McKenzie. And I think that's really just testament to the schooling down here in Christchurch, to be fair. <laughs> well, hey, before we let you, before we let you go, Kenny, uh, there's a couple of texts I just want to highlight that came through on Thursday, one in particular at 12.28, which says, uh, Sam, you're delusional if you think the Chiefs are the best team in the competition. I used to think you were quite intelligent. That comes from you, Kenny. And the other one, it came in at 2.50, said, uh, Chiefs 13+, plus. you better hope they don't do random drugs tests at ECNZ. So, <laughs> Just had to bring those back up, Kenny. Always keep the receipts. Always keep the receipts. Oh, it's gone. I think we've lost him. Kenny's I think we've lost him through a tunnel. But yeah, I knew he'd ring back. I knew he'd ring up. Now, nah, fair play to him. Fair play to him, Steph. Absolutely. Um, but have I done the same? Maybe not. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> um, no. Kenny, big tick in the man up stakes. Uh, from Ken, Staffy, great weekend of rugby. Chiefs and Blues have got the players for this style of the game. And Mark Talia, wow, how good was he? Cheers, Ken. They do, actually. It's a, it's a few rule tweaks has completely changed the game for the good and better than I was expecting. I think it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Give us a yell. Be like Kenny, people in Christchurch or in Hamilton. Or in Morrinsville, or in Auckland, 0800 150 Your take on the weekend's rugby. We'll be back after a break. Burgers is coming soon. Welcome back in. We go down to Christchurch, talk to Brendan. G'day, Brendan. Hey, Steffi, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Brendan. Hey, uh, the rugby in the weekend, mate, outstanding. Um, I thought the variations were really good. I think um, you guys are bang on about the um, Crusaders missing Ryan like, yeah, the forwards were just outplayed. Um, and as a, but we always start slow, so we'll, we'll, we'll come back. But one thing I did want to um, touch on is the, um, how good the Blues were. I was, yeah, I was uh, sort of shocked about um, exactly how good they, they played. Yeah, I want to temper that, and I don't want to criticise the Highlanders, but I want to see the Blues do it against the Crusaders or against the Chiefs uh, for me to be 100% on board with their title thing. But they couldn't have done any more than they did. But, yeah, there's, there's some pretty good footy on display for week one, I thought. I, the other side of the Highlanders, because I, I, I watched that game live, and then my, my boys are rugby mad. They were obviously in bed. So I watched it the next day with him as well. Um and the Highlanders actually weren't that bad. They made some silly mistakes. Fakatava made a few um, unusual passes, and, which got cleaned up by other people. But in general, I don't think the Highlanders, against teams like the Reds and, and all the Aussie teams, I, I think the Highlanders will go all right. I don't think they were that bad. I just think the Blues were just on fire. 
they were on fire. Um, so I know it's only one week. Um, whose stocks went up for you in, in the power ratings, I guess, of Super Rugby teams? think obviously the I mean the other side of it is that that Blues um, Blues team had I think I counted 12 was it all blacks but um, their forwards were outstanding I think Peter Gusso Kula why the hell is he getting treated the way he is um, he played absolutely outstanding as well I just some of that doesn't make sense to me but it'll like you say they've got to be consistent with it it'll be interesting to see how it, how it carries on but if the Blues forward pack can keep doing what they're doing and, and the Chiefs can keep going the way they're doing, then, uh, yeah, it might be a pretty hard year for us Cantabrians, I'm thinking. Yeah, it might be. Um, it might be. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they how they bounce back, but um, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. They'll be a top four side again and then be very hard to beat come finals time. But, Brendan, appreciate you calling up from Christchurch, buddy. Cheers, Tavi. Have a good one, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye now. Um, there we go. Um, I'm just going to have a look at, uh, I haven't even looked at the draw for this weekend, um, just to see, you know, if you've, if you've had a win and then you can get another one and then another one, here we go. So the draw for this week, I don't want Pro D12, do I? I want Super Rugby Pacific. Crusaders on Friday night host the Highlanders. Wowee. That's not too nice for the Highlanders. Actually, no, it's all in Melbourne, isn't it, this weekend? Yes, it's all in Melbourne. So all games in Melbourne, Crusaders host the Highlanders, Rebels host the Hurricanes, uh, Moana Pacifica against the Chiefs, Fiji and Drua against the Waratahs, up the Drua. I reckon the Drua will go real close to the Waratahs there. Blues, Brumbies, Force, Reds. So pick of the round for me is probably the Drua against the Waratahs, and Crusaders Highlanders. So that's your rounds for this week. Um, they're in a break at the LA, it is LA, isn't it, at the moment? LA Sevens. It gets underway again in 20 minutes, where we will see Spain take on France for the ninth place. Ninth place playoff, ninth. Ninth, ninth. That doesn't make sense. Um, fifth place, Samoa take on Great Britain. The bronze final for third and fourth, Fiji against Australia, and then Argentina and New Zealand in the cup final. That did we just before 2.30, so we will keep a, a watch on that. In the cricket, New Zealand 307 for five. Uh, Blundell on five. Came Williamson on 60, who has just gone past Ross Taylor as our highest test run scorer earlier this morning. So big congratulations to him. Uh, we're always getting text messages saying, um, what's the frequency to listen to the cricket? We don't have the rights for the cricket um, in New Zealand. Uh, we have rights for the New Zealand cricket team out of New Zealand, but not in New Zealand. So sorry about that. I will give, keep you up to date as often as I can. Um, Ollie Robinson is bowling. He's got one for 49 off his 21 overs. Uh, Williamson's just smoked. Uh, pulled a shot. Is it going to make the boundary? It isn't. That'll be a three. So he'll go to 63. Blundell on five. 309 through 10, sorry, for five. It's a lead of 84 runs. Um, we're in day four. Let's hope they can dig in and uh, make it count and uh, try and bat the whole day. That would be outstanding. It would be. Imagine if we got into a position where we could declare set a run chase. But, geez, you'd want to set. 
eight runs and over, something like that, about eight runs and over. Um, 12.50, we'll take our last break before the news will come back and we'll go through the text messages that have come through. One's from Mark, just says, I love Dino. There you go, Dino, you got a fan out there. We'll come back after this. Opening round of, oh, mic was off. I thought I turned it on, Sam, sorry. Feedback on the opening round of Super Rugby. I'm not quite sure what this means, but I'll read it out. Hey, Dominic DeCoco, the battle was won. The war continues. Mark from Christchurch. Do you know what that means, Sam? Do you know what that means? About what, sorry? I got a text message saying, hey, Dominic DeCoco. Oh, that's my um, that's my name in the tipping comp. By the way, sign up to oh. the SENZ tipping comp. Um, lots of prizes to be won. There's a couple of afternoons. Uh, comps as well, staff, that you can just join in. And if you've been playing already, you can just join the league and your your tips will roll over. Um, if you're new, you're not that far behind. Some people only got three this week. Mm. They only got 50%, mm, mm. so you're still in with a shout. But yeah, Dominic DeCoco uh, is, oh, is that you? well up the top. Yeah, yeah. so I'm in the SCNZ one, I'm in the Midday Madness one, and I'm in the... Afternoons Faithful. Afternoons Faithful. Oh, no, there's three, and there's an SCNZ afternoon. Correct, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm in all of them. Got one wrong. Most people got one wrong, but I got a different one wrong to most people. Uh, Tommy Fury split decision, beat Jake Paul. Yes. Um, Graham, afternoon staff. Sorry, can't call through. I'm driving a big machine. Congrats to the Chiefs and Sam. Congrats to the Blues and Zayden Ken. If they can play like that in the last game uh, of the season, they'll win it. Also, I can't get a box of beer to Sam, but I've given a hundy to the Sallies and I've dropped some veggies off to the food kitchen, but next time I'm in Auckland, I will catch up with you all. Thank you, Graham. Formerly in Northland. Heart still beats Tony Far Blue, though. So there you go, Sam. There's another one. Uh, Pony. Hey, Staffy, wanted to hear some coverage of the old transistor of the test. Do you have knowledge of a station? Not us. So I don't have knowledge. Sorry. Three, two, five for five. Blundell 19 off 18. Kane Williamson 63 off 160. Leading by 99. Um, Ethan and Severus were great, but they were not the best players on the park. Have to give credit to the Chiefs players. Ethan Blackadder was nearly the best player on the park. I thought he was brilliant. When you consider where where he has been, but I I know um, the Chiefs as a collective were brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Staffy, I thought Sam Kane played well the other night and certainly outshone Tom Christie on the Crusaders' side. I was impressed with Ethan Blackadder. He was South African. If he was South African, he would be the new Skulkberger at seven. I thought Sam Kane was brilliant myself too. Um, maybe we're going to see Sam Kane return. How he was before all those injuries just clouded his performances. I thought he was very, very good. Um, he's very strong defensively. Um, Steve Devine said the rules changes. The rule changes didn't make a difference. Well, I thought it made a big difference to me with speed of play. And Brad Weber said it was like high octane for the halfbacks. Uh, Michael from Wellington says new innovations laws went well in the, this round in the Super Rugby. And one other thing, Steph, the Pacific's game was rubbish. I'm not into bull rush rugby. In fact, get rid of it and, and invest that wasted money on grassroots. They had about 500 people at a home game. With the players' free tickets, how many actually paid? Stop wasting good money on a bad idea. Not a fan of the uh, Moana and Fijian Drua. I love the Fijian Drua team. I think they bring a good spectacle. But they have to be financially stable, so I do take your point there. 
Coming up to one o'clock, after the one o'clock news, we'll go live to the Basin Reserve and talk to our cricket caller. He's calling for talk sport at the moment, Daniel McCabe. Right, it appears the cricketers have gone to lunch. Um, three, 25 for five. Jeez, uh, Blundell was doing all he could do with his hooks trying to get out just before lunch. A big swinging hook, um, which didn't find an edge. Uh, three, 25 for five. So at the moment, we have Kane Williamson in unbeaten on 63, Blundell unbeaten on 19, and also unbeaten at the Basin Reserve is Daniel McCarty, who joins us now. Daniel, welcome in. Steffi, good, happy. Well, it is afternoon, isn't it? It you is. You have lunch in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm onto it. I'm sharp. I'm sharp. Razor sharp. Ready to, ready to go with you. <laughs> Pretty good session for New Zealand. I know probably maybe one more wicket than they wanted to lose, but they've maintained a good run rate, largely due thanks to Daryl Mitchell and now Tom Blundell as well. Kane looks like he's got the anchor down and he wants to bat a long, long time. Yeah, I'd agree with virtually all of that. Uh, I'd say it's probably a little bit better the session um, in the sense, Staffy, 13 of the test wickets uh, prior to today had fallen in the first session, and most of them had fallen in the first hour, hour and a half. England started the day with a, a new ball. Uh, we all know the Basin Reserve always provides great opportunity for new ball bowlers, so I was most concerned about this session, so I probably would have bitten your hand off uh, to have only two down at lunch, a lead of 100 runs, because they have scored at a very good right. You are bang on about that. I thought Daryl Mitchell was really assertive and making virtually a runner ball 54. Frustrating years and gone on, and that's probably the only issue when I said that the New Zealand batters have been dismissed. Lace them 83, Conway 61, Nichols 29. He was the other man out, nicking off to third slip and uh, taken by Brooke. Uh, as he sort of continues to battle um, in the test arena and then Mitchell 54. There's a lot of starts there. No one's really gone on and, and scored that big one, unlike Root and Brooke in the first inning. But the thing I would have bitten your hand off the most is Kane Williamson's there at lunch. He still is, he's just batting. Kane's, you know, just in that little Kane dream world where he uh, just plays at his own pace. You know, the time moves so slowly for Kane Williamson when, when others might be hurried and feeling the pressure because there is a lot of pressure on this New Zealand side. He's just gone about, played uh, his natural game, gone past Ross Taylor, now New Zealand's all-time leading test run scorer, gone past 50 again. And he and uh, you are so right, he looks like uh, he wants to bat a very long time. So this match is really interestingly poised out. Virtually 100 for five. I think the lead is exactly 99. Yep, 99, 99 for five, New Zealand, is the way you can look at it. And we might have a shootout here on day five. Just just before we leave, Kane Williamson, um, he's been not in great form, hasn't got, he's had a run of not very good scores. But what do you think, watching him there, and I don't get to watch every ball like you do, is he looking to dispatch a loose ball or let a loose ball go and just stay? Where, where do you think he's at? Well, the great players make adjustments, don't they? Even mid-game. And Kane Williamson, uh, you know, unusual sight early in his first innings. He got, so, he got a couple of good nuts under the lights at, at Bay Oval. So I sort of, you know, expunged those from the memory bank of, of is he out of form. But he played a loose stroke in the first innings, trying to force off the back foot, which, you know, has been his meat and drink in a lot of ways over the years. But generally sort of eases into that once he's got underway. And he was caught for just four from memory in that first inning. So he's just been 
um, more judicious outside of off stump. He's he's left a lot alone. He's made the bowlers come to him. He's made an adjustment, and now he's sort of just starting to free up. And there was one glorious uh, back foot punch, similar to the shot that got him out in the first innings off Robinson when he was set. And it was pitcher book Kane Williamson, and that really was the the shot of the. Uh, the session uh, for mine from the former New Zealand captain, and that was uh, wonderful to see. Uh, Mitchell looked in a mood. Mitchell, we know, likes to scrap, likes to fight. Mm. It was a bit of a funny moment in the first innings when he was bowling to Brook. So the words go that come back from the ground and towards the media hall that Mitchell might have said to him, come on, superstar, hit me over my head. <laughs> Harry Brook obliged about two balls later, hit him for six, and then I think two balls after that hit him for another six. So the superstar lived up to his billing. I think uh, Tim Southey then uttered to Daryl Mitchell, just bowl, please. Be quiet. <laughs> and I think Daryl Mitchell, Daryl Mitchell's response was, I'm trying to get into the contest. Because that's Mitchell. Mitchell loves the scrap and he wants to, to make an impact. And I really like the way he came out after uh, Nichols was dismissed. Uh, he was assertive, um, hitting the loose ones, but also, you know, taking on the English field, sort of, uh, you know, taking a leaf out of the English book. And, and, you know, New Zealand do need to score runs. It's not just about, you know, batting for survival because the ball, the other one that still nips around, more spin than seam today is sort of uh, projected as this test match has gone on. Leach has had a couple of balls that have really spun sharply and Kane Williamson nearly was undone with the beauty that saw him uh, come out of his crease, only get sort of a spike down in the end, the nearest of something's avoided. So Mitchell had to play uh, his strokes. Blundell's taking a leap out of his own book. He, he, he's looked to, to play pretty positively down the ground. Yeah, the hook stroke last ball of the session had a few oohs and ahs around the base and reserve. But Mitchell, Blundell, Bracewell, they are players who like to score quickly. And I, I think Luke Ronke, the, the batting coach, would have just told them exactly that. You know, be a free of mind. I think New Zealand had been a little bit sort of in their own heads in uh, Bay Oval and especially in the first innings here. So... Uh, Williamson's the key, right? Mm. There's, there's no shock in me saying that. that. That's what everyone in the group, anyone who has eyes and ears and any understanding of the game of cricket, knew Kane Williamson was lo- lo- casting a rather large shadow over this game. He's got good, good credentials for playing spin bowlers. Tom Blundell, the local man, you're a local man down there. He's made 100 at the Basin as well. What's, what's his batting arsenal like against a pitch that looks like it's going to take um, pe- perhaps even more spin? He's a very good player of spin. Daryl Mitchell, probably, if you look at the numbers, if you're just looking at raw numbers, and I know they don't tell the true story, Kane Williamson against spin over the last uh, 10 years averages 75, Staffy. Wow. 75 against spin. Daryl Mitchell averages around 60. Tom Blundell's over 52. So he's generally a pretty good bowler of spin, but a lot of those runs would have been scored on New Zealand wickets against spinners where there's not a lot of turn. The, The old one's really going and spinning from straight. And what I mean by that, for those who don't know the game, well, the ball's pitching on the stumps and then spinning from the stumps. Often you'll see the pitch, um, uh, the ball rather spin from wide out because of the bowler's footmarks have created some uneven surface. The bowlers can't run down the middle of the pitch, even though many would try, sometimes try and would like to. Um, generally, the, the safe zone seems to be between stump and stump, but here it is spinning. I had a little chuckle with Jeter Patel ahead uh, of yesterday going, what's going on with the base and reserve sheets? It's spinning from straight on day number one. He said, <laughs> it never spun in my whole career. <laughs> so uh, 
I think only two instances where it's actually spun more in the last 10 years or so, including like 2013. So it is unusual. But that should give New Zealand some hope. You know, Michael Brace was a very young spinner learning his craft. But one thing he does have for a finger spinner, enormous hands and an ability to spin the ball too. So I, I still think a score of 250 is minimum for New Zealand to have a chance. Uh, they would have that by the end of today. Even if they play reasonably conservatively, they've gone from 202 through to 325. Longer session, of course, this one, uh, making up for the lost play. And 250 in a day is two sessions of work for England. Yes. They, they'll go hard. And, uh, you know, we've got a really good crowd in. Uh, it looks like we might be heading to day number five. But I still think England are, are ahead of this game. But New Zealand certainly have closed that gap. So to whet our appetite to get the crowds hoarding into the basin tomorrow, um, we need to bat all day and hopefully have one or two, you know, two or three wickets in hand, if I'm being really, really optimistic. Because we were talking at work this morning about what's the target you set England to chase if you're going to declare. You're going to have to set them about eight runs and over because they can get everything. Well, remember, field's out, so there is no fielding restriction in Test cricket. So you could go ultra-conservative, and but that would be a defeatist attitude now, wouldn't you? So I, I think if, Steph, you put it this way, you, you're thinking there is, you're, you're thinking New Zealand making a declaration. That's a really good position to be in. Yeah. Because you, in a lot of ways, you know, losing, losing the Test um, might not happen if you just decided to bat on. I'm still worried about New Zealand being bowled out in mm. the next sort of session or two. I don't think we're really going to be in a position for New Zealand to contemplate the declaration until, until they've got a lead of 200 and how many wickets they have in hand. Uh, you know, in a dream world, and you know, it wouldn't be another shock here. We've seen some remarkable partnerships, especially for the sixth wicket here at this ground, McCullum and Watling, Watling and Williamson, both world records, you know, world record falling in 2014 and 2015. Now, if New Zealand get through to T, uh, the next session without the loss of a wicket as they did yesterday, uh, I'm sure Stead and Captain will start thinking about that, but I'm not going to start thinking about it probably to the you know the last half an hour to, to see where this game is at. You know, England have, have toiled away. Uh, there's still a lot of, lot of quality uh, in that attack, but it is they, ha- they haven't looked as likely... They haven't beaten the bat nearly as much as yesterday. And I know a lot of people are talking here at the ground about should they have enforced the follow-on. Well, I just felt yesterday was the best bowling day. Mm. I, I think it's probably going to get flatter. Yeah, it might turn a little bit more on day number five. But Michael Brace was an inexperienced spinner. I, I don't think England will be losing any sleep over that. I, I still think England made the right decision based on how often they beat the bat yesterday and the slice of luck here or there. Uh, New Zealand could have easily been five or six down heading into today. And let's just hope for another bright, sparkling 70 from Tim Southey, um, as unlikely as that may be. (laughs) He gave it a lick. Didn't he? My (laughs) Lord. Six sixes. How's this for a stat? That's the highest number of sixes in a test innings at the Basin Reserve. He's he's equaled the record. (laughs) And we've seen some incredible (laughs) batting at this ground over the years, but he was hitting them so cleanly. And I know... You know, some of the English, my English colleagues here were describing it as Bazball, but as Jacob Borum quite beautifully pointed out to me, it's like Tim Southey trademarked Bazball when it came to batting years ago. Yes, he did. On, on his test day food. <laughs> he, he likes it. He likes it full. He likes good bounce and good pace, and he can give it a real clout. But I'm, 
I'm not sure if we can count on Tim Southey getting 73 runs again. No. Uh, I, 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 when I look at the scoreboard, I, I do find this funny, and it's utterly irrelevant to the game, but this is how my stupid mind works. Um, I had a great chuckle when they put up the, the, the team list, 1 through 11 on the main scoreboard. Whoever the scoreboard attendant is, do not go near Tim Southey <laughs> because they listed him at number 11. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when you actually go down the main scoreboard, they've got 1 through 8 correct, then Henry, Wagner and Southey. Well, Southey batted ahead of, ahead of Henry and Wagner. Uh, so, whoever's the scoreboard attendant, when you leave, don't walk to the southern, the northern end of the basin reserve. Don't leave via the Dempster Gate. Just go straight out the Reed Gate. Um, nowhere near the, the players' pavilion at the other end of the ground. But isn't this fantastic? We're into lunch on day number four, and uh, I'm not. I'm not drawing the longest bow in the world. While I've said to you, I think England's still in front. All four options. Yeah, count them all, Staffy. Four options. Everyone thinks three. There's always a fourth option, the beautiful tie. All four options are on the cards. And uh, let's hope Kane Williamson can go. And, and, hey, he hasn't had a great 2023. Let's remember, Kane Williamson got a double hundred just after Christmas mm. against Pakistan. He's not hopelessly out of form. No, not hopelessly. Brilliant, Daniel. Uh, thank you once again for joining us in a very well-deserved break to have a chat to us. Really appreciate it. I'll catch you tomorrow then, Staffy, eh? Let's We're going do- to day five. Let's do it. Let's, let's make that appointment now, and then it'll happen. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Daniel McCarty tomorrow at 105 as well. Thank you, buddy. See you, mate. Wouldn't that be tremendous if we could say, yeah, we're going to go to Daniel at 105, uh, New Zealand uh, 484 for eight. Wouldn't that be amazing to be saying at this time tomorrow? (sighs) Dreams are free? Maybe. Anyway, phone lines are always open. Um, Phone lines are always open. 0800 150 Someone's asked what's the website for that tipping comp. It is tipping.com. Tipping.senzradio.nz. Tipping.senzradio.nz. Just go in there and register. It's free. And there's $2,500 of a New Zealand sports experience package for you. That is the SENZ Super Rugby Tipping Comp. One more time. Tipping.senzradio.nz. Couldn't be simpler. Join in after the break. Uh, happy to take your calls on the cricket or the Super Rugby, what you witnessed over the weekend. 0800 150 811. Back with you after a break. Feedback on the on the rugby uh, from the weekend. Um, and as I do, I sit there with a pen and paper over the weekend just jotting down notes. Here's my notes. Rules. Faster. No huddle lineouts. Swift scrums. I think that was the big plus from me. From the weekend, it's really sped it up and made them more of a contest, particularly the, the lineouts. It's put an extra pressure on the hookers, um, and that wasn't just in our games. I noticed it in Australia as well. There were a lot of turnovers or contested lineouts, which I like having a contested lineout. Um, I've got DMAC outplayed Moonga. Um, that's not on them individually, it's about the quality of ball and where you're getting it in the field. Um, I thought great return for Damien McKenzie in the 10 jersey. Then my next two things I've got written down are Cullen Grace and Anton Leonard-Brown. Very much looking forward to, I was looking forward to seeing Cullen Grace, but I don't think there's been an announcement, but it looks like it's the same shoulder that took him out for the best part of a year. It's uh, dislocated again or something pretty pretty bad there. 
Um, so I know he's got a lot of supporters, including myself, wanted to see him have a very good super and push for World Cup selection, but that looks to be gone. Anton Leonard-Brown's made an announcement this morning that he thinks he's three to four weeks out with his ankle. Um, so let's hope... Uh, Let's hope that it's not too bad. I've just heard that the run home have Damien McKenzie on the show today, so he'll probably give an update on uh, that injury. I've also got written down here Ben O'Keefe. I thought he was brilliant in his officiating. And what it's done, it's given a little bit more um, with these rules. It's taken the grey areas away, which opened up the referees for criticism. Um, now the Now the clock is there, so they can be a little bit stronger in marshalling the game to make it to make it work. And he was clear, he was open, and uh, I thought he, because referees have to adapt as well to the game. I've got down here, stars of the round for me, for me were Mark Talia, Adi Savia, Geordie Barrett, Damian McKenzie and Ethan Blackadder. They're sort of my um, draft day Tuesday top five. <laughs> and um, then last night on the breakdown, I thought, thought it was very interesting. They had Brad Weber on, who's uh, one of the better interviews when it comes to rugby players in the country. And they scored a try off a strike move, off a, off a tap penalty. And uh, Kaltanana asked them about that. So we're just going to play you, Kaltanana, asking Brad Weber. But listen to what Brad Weber says. Weber, you talk about strikes and, and different tactics now with these new rules. The, I'm loving the way the Fords have gone back into the old school tap kicks. I mean, you guys did it a couple when it's been, <laughs> but a bit real, been a real feature through the course of the weekend. Just talk us through that. Look, to be honest, we're all copying the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, <laughs> there it, it is. Used to be, it, it used to be the other way around, right, where we were the innovators and they would end up copying us. But I've got to be honest, we've been watching a lot of uh, the tap plays that I've been doing up, up north and really enjoying them. And, um, yeah, I guess particularly against the Crusaders. I've got a good set piece, scrum and, and line out. So it's actually it's actually quite good coming up with something different, have a bit of fun. The boys seem to really enjoy um, practicing them. And we obviously scored off one off on the weekend. So uh, we're one for one in that department. So I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll probably see more of those too. So amazing that he said, we're basically everyone's copying the Northern Hemisphere. And I was just like, that is a sea change in the world of rugby that... And it's something we've been alluding to that from when Ireland came here and gave us a rugby lesson in holding possession, playing collectively, and now Brad Weber and hats off to him saying we're basically copying the Northern Hemisphere with our strike moves now. It's it's a huge change, Sam. And you said, how good was that try? Well, I've copied it off the North. Yeah, that was an amazing try and, and caught the Crusaders off guard, like I mentioned to Kenny, because it wasn't that set play they used to. Is it... Tell me if I'm up, well up a wrong creek here. But I feel like watching the Crusaders was like watching the All Blacks. And I know that it's an easy comparison to make because half of the Crusaders are All Blacks. But it felt like I was watching the All Blacks and the fact that they were caught off guard, totally outcoached and didn't adjust and just looked like all they wanted to do was the game plan they'd written up at, at the zero minute and didn't want to change it at all. And it was just carry ruck, carry ruck, hoping for something different. Mm. And... Man, as soon as that leaks into Super Rugby, like that All Blacks mentality of just sticking to the game plan and doing the hard graft and not being innovative, as soon as that comes down to Super Rugby, I'll be worried. Because Super Rugby generally is a lot more open and there is a lot more excitement, etc. And I just hate to, to for us to go that way in the Super level. So I, I'm sort of glad that they're trying 
things from the north. But it is funny because the north used to be the boring ones. Yeah. Yeah. What now? They're the exciting ones. <clears throat> is that what we're saying? Like we are. Um, but with these new rule changes, and these rule changes suit teams like the Chiefs and the Hurricanes more than the Crusaders and the Highlanders. Highlanders, I think, would like to play that, but I don't think they've got the cattle to do that. Yeah. And I and I feel like the Blues are. If we're talking about expansive, open, creative play, I feel like the Chiefs and the Hurricanes are at the top of that tree, then the Blues, um, then the Highlanders, and then the Crusaders. So the Crusaders need to make modifications, and real quick. Yeah. But they will. They will make adjustment because oh, yeah. they, they, they have to. But just listening to Brad Weber just saying, you know, because the halfbacks, with the new halfback rule that they're not allowed to go and harass the other halfback, when you're the attacking halfback, knowing you haven't got the opposition going to put pressure on you, you've got r- way more room now to run, time to pass. Um, it's just opened it up so much more, way more than I thought it was going to. So very interesting. Yeah. Did you agree with Dean that it's the new rules is not necessarily a good thing for the All Blacks given that the, the, the players are going to get used to these super rugby laws and then going to have to quickly change on a dime for rugby championship into a rugby world cup? Something I hadn't considered, but mm. Dino's bang on. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but it's something very real because I don't know if these go through into the rugby championship. I don't think they do. It's just super rugby. So they're going to have to revert back to, um, you can go back into huddles for lineouts and scrums and halfback offside rules. And yeah. It's, um, do the Six Nations play by the world rugby rules? Yeah, so that so they'll be well used to it. The they're, same as that, yeah. yeah. So, and we've only got. Um, I, have they released a schedule for this year yet? For the All Blacks. Yep. So who have we got? We have got rugby championship, which is generally reduced, right? We're only playing, playing each team once. Each team once, except for Australia, we play twice yep. for the Bledisloe. So we, one game against Africa, one game against Argentina, two against Australia. And then I think we've got a warm-up match. Fiji or Samoa or something? No, I think um, someone like South Africa or something in the UK before the World Cup. That's right, we do, yeah. Mm. Yep. We must be playing a game against Japan because we cash cow on that all the time. Yep, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, interesting. But it's interesting times, isn't it? And, um, yeah, really keen to hear your thoughts if, you, if you're in agreement with the, with the new law changes. Um, I think they're good. But I can't see the home nations signing up to them because they'll be sitting back watching them and going, holy heck, that's a fast game. Doesn't suit us. I hope it does. I hope it does, but, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We'll take a break for new sport and weather in the next half hour. We'll catch up with, uh, I think, Paul Mowadi from the TAB and also find out what's making news around the world. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to bring in now from the TAB a huge fan of Tommy Fury. You must have been delighted with his result this morning, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> there were certainly a lot of punters uh, very, very happy with uh, the result this morning. Um, to be fair, we, we took action on both fighters, uh, but there are a number of power plays that uh, the punters got stuck into, and I think one of them was... Um, Fury to be knocked down, but to, then to win, go on and win, something like that. Um, so, And he was around, I think, 225 uh, in that match result market. So, yeah, yep, it was um, 
Yep, there'll be plenty of punters with a wee bit of cash to spend. And if they want to spend it on something, they could spend it on the LA Sevens because the uh, New Zealand Sevens team has made the final against the Argentinians and they are a $1.19 favourite. Wow. Wow. What's the point starting there? <laughs> I, I knew that would tweak your interest there, Steph. Uh, nine and a half point faves. Uh, there we go. Because when they when they got beaten mm-hmm. in pool play, I knew that meant that they avoided Argentina, and which was quite a good thing because Argentina have had our number a little bit lately. So okay, nine and a half, I'll take that. Um, in the cricket, um, bloody meteorological services shafted me again. Um, the weather forecast on Thursday was for at least six sessions to be affected by rain, and there's been sort of half a one. I climbed into the draw. I'm going to get pantsed. <laughs> you weren't the only one either, the staff. The draw currently at $9.50. I thought um, with all the time you spent down here in Wellington, you'd know yeah. that we're the tropics of the uh, of New Zealand. <laughs> it's always a cracker day down here. <laughs> um, so at the moment, uh, England, have they just drifted out slightly over the last uh, half an hour, 45 minutes. They're now $1.35 to win the second test. The Black Caps are three eighty-five. The draw, as you say, as you say, was very, very popular before the off. Now out to nine dollars and fifty cents, and it's still our worst result in that head-to-head market. The draw. NBA today. There's always um, lots of dishes on the smorgasbord table in the middle of the TAB offices for NBA. Which one's being feasted on by the punters of the games yet to start? Um, they really like it. Well, early on, they did like the Golden State Warriors, and that game is about to start in around five minutes' time. So Warriors, who are now $1.72, um, they were backed earlier this morning, uh, and they've also been backed at the handicap, uh, minus two, a flat two at the moment at $1.87, and punters love the over in that Golden State Warriors match, over 237 points, eighty-five. So, yeah, that's a big total. It's going to be a big shootout. Is that what they're tending to think? That's exactly what they're thinking. Yep. Uh, So the Warriors to win in a high-scoring, action-packed game. Right. What's happened to the Super Rugby overall winner book after what was, I thought, a very entertaining round? It certainly was, and I'm sure you found a diamond or two in that uh, first week of Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. What's happened in the overall market? Um, we now have, the bookies cannot separate uh, three New Zealand teams. We've got three equal favourites to win wow. Super Rugby Pacific 2023. Blues 325, Chiefs 325, Crusaders 325, and I think the Blues and Chiefs are at around four four dollars fifty. Um, before the start of the Super Rugby competition. So they've both come in after their um, very, very big results. I thought the Chiefs uh, were uh, fantastic against the Crusaders. They're into 325, along with the Crusaders and the Blues. And the Hurricanes are sitting on that fourth line of betting at $7. Fortunately for Highlanders fans, they're now up to $31 to win Super Rugby Pacific. And the boys have already got week two. Odds out oh. uh, for all the games. And uh, let's just see if we can entice Steph into finding a wee bit of value for punters. Crusaders, they're $1.15 to beat the Highlanders, five twenty-five. Crusaders point Rebel. start. That, that's me. Crusaders point start. That's not enough. 
Terry on. Righty ho. <laughs> Rebels five fifty. Hurricanes a dollar fourteen. Hurricanes point start that won't be big enough. Yep. Next. Wana Pacifica seven fifty. Chiefs a dollar seven. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Fijian Drua two ninety. The Waratahs a dollar forty two. Drua, please all day. They're going to cause some upsets this year. Fijian Drua point start next. Beautiful. Blues, Brumbies. Blues, $1.27. Brumbies, three seventy. Ooh, It's probably a pass for me. It's a pass for me because I don't know how good the Brumbies are until they play a top New Zealand side, which they're going to do. So I'll keep a watching brief on that one. Very nice. And the final game uh, of the weekend, Force, two ninety Reds, $1.42. Yeah, look, I felt the Reds showed me enough to suggest they'll beat the point start. That must be at about seven or eight, I'd imagine. Is it about seven? Um, seven and a half it is. Yeah, well, that's seven or eight, isn't it? Uh, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I saw enough good stuff from them to suggest they might sneak over that, but might be a bit of a pass, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll be taking Crusaders minus, Hurricanes minus, and Fiji and Drua plus. There's my three-leg multi for the weekend. Paulie? Beautiful. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. This is brilliant. The punters get... I hope they've written this down. Um, and I'll, I'll report back to you on Wednesday uh, and just let you know how many punters have backed that very multi there. All those three will shorten in the next couple of days. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> Oh, and don't forget, first week of the NRL uh, starts this Thursday. We can talk about those odds on uh, Thursday, uh, on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, but the first match on Thursday night, Parramatta Eels, two two fifteen, Melbourne Storm, a dollar sixty seven. Beautiful, Paulie. Always good catching up, mate. Have a great week. Very good. Thanks, Steph. Cheers, buddy. Paul Mawadi out of the TRB. Of course, it's TRB.co.nz, but it's easier to download the app, and you can watch live. You can watch the cricket live on the TAB app. Did you know that? You just have to have a TAB account with money in it, with it 15 cents in it or a dollar in it. You can watch all the NBA. You can watch test cricket. Just if you've got a positive balance, you don't even need to bet on it. It's on the watch and bet tab of the TAB app or the TAB website. There you go. But you didn't know that. Now you do. Well, you might have known it. You might have known it. Samoa leading 19-7 at halftime in the third and fourth playoff. Is that third and fourth, or is that fifth and sixth? That might be fifth and sixth, actually. So we're about 50 minutes away from the final of the LA Sevens, the HSBC World Series. Uh, New Zealand will be playing Argentina in that in about 50 minutes, and we'll keep you up to date with that. Still at lunch at the cricket, but we'll find out what's making news after the break. It's making news around the world. I want to look up what those lyrics are because I want to sing along. Grazing in the grass. Is it grazing in the grass? Yeah, I see that. Grazing in the grass is the name of the song. Okay. Yeah. I've uh, We've potentially got a two-parter for what's making news today. Exciting. Because I've got four pages. Wow. I usually only have two. I've got four pages. And, um, There's a lot going on. I obviously wasn't here on Friday, so some of it dates back a little bit over the weekend. Forgive me if some of these stories you may have heard before. But well, uh, for uh, me, I off did the press. A, he did an amazing What's Making News. So oh, Friday. what did it include? Well, we'll just find so out. Now. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> he doesn't want to give the secret. We'll just hit the siren if you <clears throat> start one that he did. Go. Wild boars in yeah, Italy. Yeah, it was that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Wild boars in Italy. Yes. Apparently, it's a real problem. Is it? Yeah. So, um, Italy's uh, 
government at the moment is uh, set to loosen the hunting rules to deal with what our country's farming lobby has called an invasion of wild boars. Um, overflowing. Apparently it's pretty normal in the countryside. You see boars running through, but it's spilled into the central parts of Rome, etc. Um, so the capture and culling of wild animals will be allowed in urban and quote-unquote protected areas. Local and regional police officers, as well as national forest police and licensed private hunters may take part in the campaign. Uh, the farmers' lobby welcomed the reform, saying it was badly needed, with Italy being invaded by 2.3 million wild boars. That's a lot of boars, people. 2.3 mil. That's a lot of boars. As correctly predicted by Duran Duran in the 80s, 90s, they mm. put out a song called Wild Boars. Did they? Mm. Wow. Yeah, they, they've done find a great that, job. Find that song when I yeah, will. Maybe, we'll play that Wild Boars song. Maybe by they Duran just Duran. like spotted one in the countryside in Italy, but didn't, not knowing that it would be uh, an epidemic mm. in future years. Mm, mm, mm. Great for your um, food stocks, right? If you want to. Unbelievable. Yeah, if you want to fill the fridge. Price of bacon about to go through the floor. Uh, Did boars produce bacon? Is that well? Cure any meat, it's bacon. You get chicken bacon now. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. You get tofu bacon. Um, now Disneyland. Your sausage roll's about to be delivered. Is so you actually, read this story, and yeah, I'll you pop go out and get it for well, you. Well, no, I feel like I want to. Manai, do you want to get the sausage roll? I'll go get the sausage roll. Is there someone else out there that can get the sausage roll? I'll get it. I'm giving the thumbs up. You're going to go get it. Okay, cool. Appreciate that. I'll give you guys a review on how it tastes as well. Once again, daylight robbery um, by the cafe. How much for a sausage roll? Eight bucks for a sausage roll, which is in line with the $11 scoop of chips. Jeepers. Are you serious? So Disneyland, right? Have you been to Disneyland? I don't know if I asked you this. You've never been to Disneyland. Not your type of place? No. Your type of place? Not your type of place. No, I wouldn't mind going, but I hate queuing. I hate queuing. I wouldn't mind doing a group. Will you just get like a... You just get the app or whatever, and you can skip all the queues. Thanks, mate. Sausage roll's been delivered. Should we do a um, group trip? Group trip to Disneyland. Do an OB from. Oh yeah, we'll do an OB. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this guy Jeff Ritz, right? He's 50 years old from California, and he is the proud Guinness World Record holder of the most conse- consecutive trips to Disneyland per day, by day. Yeah, he like every single day going to Disneyland. God. Now, this started in 2012, Steph, so you can start working out the numbers in your head. Bored of searching endlessly for work and in need of getting out and about from the house, he was unemployed, and he was a huge Disney fan. He decided he was going to take on this particular Guinness World Record. Now, how many days in a row was he aiming for? 3,000. No. What's that, nine years? Eight, nine years? 3,000. Yes, that's... Probably 10 with sick leave. (laughs) It's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, holiday pay as well. Um, now, be- bearing in mind coronavirus mm-hmm. threw a spanner in the works, he came up short, unfortunately. So he started again? 2995. Oh, no. 2995. He was five short. Uh, that, that does set the record. And um, then COVID Every hit. single day for eight years, three months, and 13 days. Every single day. Well, some days he must just walk in and walk out just to tick the box. You think so? Maybe just does a ride a day? Grab a coffee. True, actually. Does it count if you grab a coffee? coffee? We've got to figure out the, uh, the the fine print here of whether he actually went on any rides. Do you think he would have um, lined up for the for the Splash Mountain? 100%. Now it's closed down. He might have been the one selling the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Did he work there? <laughs> <laughs> this is a ruse. He had a job. He, he the, worked there. He was the caretaker. He looked after the plants at the front gate. Because yeah, you know? Joe Bell might have the record for days at SCNZ consecutively. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, he's not here today, though, Joe Bell. He took a sick day after a big birthday party on the weekend. Uh, Steph, 21st, was he? Yeah, I think so. He's on the tables at the karaoke. 2995. 
Two, what's that? Two nine two nine nine five. Yeah, exactly. Five days short. Um, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, huge Jackman. Yeah, and well known for being huge in the hit blockbuster film Wolverine mm-hmm. and various X Men variations. Uh, he's actually revealed that he's he's got a damaged voice box from playing Wolverine because of all of the grunting yeah. and. Uh, uh, <laughs> that does actually quite hit your throat. So imagine just doing that for three films mm. straight. Um, Easy and to yeah, learn your life. He's actually right? getting like special vocal like coaching and lessons and to, to repair his voice box. Wow. Because it's been so buggered from... <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Whereas I do vaping for a night and I'm off for three days. So <laughs> there you go. And this is the last one I'm going to do before I cut my What's Making News in half, Steph. Um, and it was a woman who invited her family to her wedding. Fine choice. However, uh, her family ended up kidnapping her, forcing her to marry another man for $500,000. So the American woman who sought to celebrate her wedding in Mexico, you got to stay with me here, invited her family to the ceremony in Guadalajara last September. Instead, her disapproving father, mother and brothers conspired to kidnap her and attempt, to, uh, and attempt her to marry someone else in Yemen. The unnamed victim, who according to a Department of Justice statement remains in Yemen, under the supervision of two of her brothers, was tricked by her family into leaving Mexico, travelling back to the United States, where her father promised her he would support her marriage to her fiancé, who she had known for nearly nine years. Instead, they tried to force her fiancé to pay a dowry of 30k for their marriage, but after the woman intervened, her father threatened to throw her from the 12th story of the hotel. The next day... uh, the, the father allegedly changed his mind, came to a gentleman's agreement with his daughter's fiance and agreed to support the union if he could host a party in the ceremony in the United States. The woman agreed. Upon her return to the state, she was locked in the family's home, put under constant supervision and unable to even use the restroom with privacy. A member of the family then impersonated the woman, withdrawing her from classes at the University of Buffalo and deleting her social media accounts. Wow. This is getting bad. She was then forced to board a flight to Egypt where her family planned to arrange a marriage to an undetermined man in Egypt or Yemen in exchange for 500 k Oh, now that is a it was a wedding story for the ages. That is making news. I've got a great follow up wedding story that you're going to absolutely love, Mark Stafford. But we're going to hold it. We're going to just tease people a if, little bit. If I find out she ends up married to the bloke that went to Disneyland, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. It's a web that all what's making news is always linked, Steph. I know, and it's there's wild like... boar on the spit at the aftermatch <laughs> as well. Fantastic. Uh, Steph, can you cast that uh, Watch and Bet live from the TV app to a TV? No, you have to watch it on your laptop or phone or tablet, however you are watching it. Uh, We'll come back. Maybe Sam might have a fact for the day, or I'm not sure what's going to happen after this. Uh, Stick around, we'll find out. Welcome back in. Just uh, gone 2 o'clock. Jeremy Thrush coming to you in about uh, 10 minutes. I'll just get someone to fire him off a text. He said, could you please text me before you ring? So uh, I'll get one of your voice to text. Thrushy in the cricket, we are 3.51 for five. Blundell making a good fist of it, 31. Uh, Kane Williamson still there on 76. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, um, yet to take a wicket. And uh, Mr Leach, 40 overs, has two for 106. He's going to resume, it looks like, um, at one end, Jimmy Anderson just finishing it over. So 351 for five. Uh, in the sevens that are going on in LA at the moment, Fiji are playing Australia in the third and fourth playoff match. Uh, Fiji have just scored a try. I think it's 7 0 to Fiji, unless this is another one that I may have just missed. I always look up and there's the slow motion replay. I just wish I'd leave the score up. 
Come on, score. We're seeing lots of fans in the crowd. Fiji gets so much good support around the world. Wherever they go in sevens, their communities come out and they're such a fantastic team to watch. In fact, that's their second try. It's now 14-0 to Fiji uh, with two minutes to go in the first half, which means we're about 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away from New Zealand taking on Argentina in the final. Now, oh, someone just, Dan texted through and said, we're at the ground and we watch folks go and stand up to cramp Mitchell, and it took one ball. One effing ball. Come on, Mitchell, that's minty stuff. So that must have been to dismiss Mitchell. They put a close infielder and he fell after the first ball. Uh, one more from Carolyn. Staffy, to me, agreeance is what learnings is to you. Mm-hmm. It should be agreement. I think we are all in agreeance that there are some learnings here. Cheers, Carolyn. P.S. What about Mark Talia? Amazing. Did mm. I say agreeance? You might have. Is that not? You mean allowed to say that? I am in agreeance. I am in agreement. I see what you're saying, Karen, and I can understand. Oh, in agreement. That. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a pointless word, isn't it? Because there's words for it. Yeah. The one I text you on Friday night, which is really getting to me now, <laughs> just every time it's said because I once I once you think about it, you just hear it all the time. Is presence of mind. Oh yeah, the presence of mind. So. Great presence of mind there to see the man out wide. And blah, blah. Great presence of mind from Damian McKenzie there with a kick through. Just yeah. everything that is somewhat off the cuff is great presence of mind. So, and I've, be- I've ruined a few people by saying a number of people in media say perhaps instead of perhaps. Yeah, yeah you have. Yeah. And you hear it everywhere now. Mm-hmm. New victim last night. Oh. New victim of yeah. the perhaps club. Yep. Mills Moliena. Ah, oh, Millsy. Come on, son. <laughs> Come on, son. Frustration's another one. Oh, frustration. I, Katie, I'm, I'm very much a frustration as opposed to fra. Oh, do so you say frustration? Yeah, we had this conversation on we air do, a couple of weeks yeah. ago because I feel I, I do say fuck, but you don't notice. Like if I said, yeah, I'm really frustrated, I'm really frustrated. It, it's almost seamless. It's when someone says, I'm so frustrated, and they emphasize mm. it. Um, I'm just sticking up for myself here. Yeah. Um, but there was actually a shocker, boys, over the weekend, which I don't know if it's worth us playing out or not. We can certainly get the audio um, of a certain players. One of our callers. Bought it up. Oh, really? Mm. Offer to to uh, to 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 present the award. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a good recovery. Have you got the audio there? We can get it. Okay, we can get it. Um, okay. Should I do some what's making news? Part two. Part two. Do it's I a have to, do, should I should I dress it up again? Or yeah, because I, like, yeah. I love the song. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. <laughs> What's making news around the world? Well, what I mean, grazing in the grass. Yeah, why don't I? Do, why do I have the imaging? I just get you to do it every yeah, time. Yeah, you should. I actually would like that. Um, so let's stick with the weddings, shall we? Wedding and brides thing. and surprises and everything in between. Like it. So you might be shocked as this bride was uh, on a. Uh, it was on an unfiltered bride podcast. That's the name of the podcast. They're talking about a, a mutual friend, and they've heard it from two different people. So that's supposedly how it's verified um, but it was a bride who on the on the wedding day pre-ceremony uh, needed to duck to the loo and she went into the loo and what she saw was enough to end the wedding and you think to yourself man what was he doing in there was you know drugs is he doing something untoward tell you what Steph she walked in and found that this man was husband to be husband to be was being breastfed by his mum what true story well supposedly true Mm. What was he three years old or something? No, no, like full adult, full grown, full milk as well, probably, but <laughs> inappropriate 
probably the timing. Jeez. Certainly something you keep to yourself. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, she got obviously got a good look at him. I hope that she got a good look at the female and it was his mum. Um, different story if it's not. But there's another wedding story for it. It's always wedding stories that just are the weirdest, I you know? know? It's it just, hecky. yeah. If there's always, they'd say that there's always something that goes wrong at your wedding. There's always like one big thing that goes wrong at your wedding. So mm. just be prepared for it potentially being your husband's a breastfeed. Because <laughs> that'll sneak up on you. Uh, now, the Oscars. When are the Oscars? They must be soon. They must be. Yeah, well... Because oh, the um, award season is underway, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and we'll be coming up... At, I've got it right here. March 12th. Mm. Two weeks. And it'll be the anniversary of Will Smith's infamous slap. Oh, the slapping. Chris Rock. Get my name, get my wife's name out your mouth. I tell you what, Steph, they're prepared this time because the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences will have a quote-unquote crisis team on standby at the 2023 Oscars. What, for counselling? Well... The outfit, and this is TMZ, cited unidentified Academy insiders who reportedly said the designated team will be able to spring into action if things go awry. We have a crisis team, something we've never had before, and many plans in place. We've run many scenarios, so it is our hope that we will be prepared for anything that we may not anticipate right now, but are planning for just in case. It sounds like they've got snipers trained on the stage. It's getting to that point. It is getting to that just point. Just in case Will Smith stands out of his seat and... Tranquilizes <laughs> in the crowd? Snap. That's the sort of Oscars show I That's the sort of Oscars I'd be keen on. Steph. Maybe they should just do that anyway. Like, randomly, every five minutes, someone gets tranked in the audience. <laughs> one, of the, one of the actors or the, you know... They just have all the syringes in their seats and just fires just into their up. leg. Yeah. Maybe they could do that when someone's giving a speech to, like, wrap it up rather than the music. Mm. Just trank them and just watch them fall asleep. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. Trank them. Yeah, trank. I think that's a word. I don't know. Are, are, you, often, an, are you in ex- agreement that it's acceptable? I find it frustrating. How often are you <laughs> tranquilizing people that you need to shorten it to save a bit of time? Yeah, it's, it's common vernacular in the uh, in the tranquilizer game. Um, and I, you learn that when you do a couple of kids' parties. Um... <laughs> I'm just thinking of, is it Frank the Tank and, um, and uh, what's the film? Oh. Frank the Tank and they go back to high school or university. Uni. They have to do a whole bunch of challenges. Uh, Owen Wilson's brother's in it. Why can I remember this? It's one of the greatest films of all time. And I was going to look it up. White Girls? Nah, and he goes to a kid's birthday party. He gets Someone's horse screaming at the radio right now. Yeah. Um, old School. Old School. Old School's the name of the film. Um, a Passenger... This is actually quite funny, Steph, because you know flying stories, me and flying stories, there's a lot of commonality in them. Um, one in particular is, so I got told by a friend, you hate flying, yep, very anxious, yep, just have a couple beers. Have a bit of the alcohol on board and put yourself to sleep, right? Mm. Um, well, this is what one particular lady um, was lining up to do, right? She has chronic anxiety, she wanted to have a cocktail um, so that she could handle the flight. Uh, they said, actually, I'm sorry, this flight doesn't have alcohol, doesn't serve alcohol. She got so mad that she stormed the cockpit, <laughs> tried to get into the front of the plane and demanded... I mean, I don't know what that's really going to achieve, though, Like, cause the pilots aren't sort of the headmasters yeah, of the, give of the me plane. Your whiskey, pilot. Can you tell your flight attendants to please wheel out the alcohol car? It doesn't work like that. So what did she end up with? Obviously, an arrest and probably a heavy fine and probably can never fly again because she stormed the cockpit, which I imagine in America is about as bad as it comes, storming the cockpit. I you were going to tell me that she ingested some hand sanitizer or alcohol wipes or something. Well, this was in Florida, so it wouldn't have surprised me, yeah. Steph, given our penchant for Florida man. And Florida I've got man. one more story. One more. <clears throat> a cocaine dealer. Police uh, tracked a cocaine dealer for a year. 
um, through his phone habits and found he was going all over the place, Steph. They're like, this guy's making deals in, in, in Auckland. He's going at Tauranga. He's down to Wellington. Of course, it was in America. When they arrested him, 12-month investigation, when they arrested him, and they found uh, his phone. He was a drug dealer. He had cash and all that sort of stuff, so they definitely found the right guy. But they found out that all the phone locations and him walking around while he's dropping off drugs, he was uh, addicted to Pokemon Go. <laughs> and he was just going around trying to find Pokemon everywhere. Here they were thinking, oh, the guy's got, he's selling drugs in the Bahamas, and then he's going over to the UK. He was just literally chasing Pokemon. That's chasing gold. a Pikachu. That's gold. Yeah. And i got a fact for you. Good, 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 good. It's actually a story. Big, oh. And it's a marriage story, Steph. Oh, just Jim. to finish. Yeah. In 2015, I think you'll like this one. In 2015, there was a man named Joel Berger. Mm-hmm. And he married a woman named Ashley King. And Burger King paid for the whole wedding. <laughs> Joel Berger, Ashley King. True story. True story. 100% true. Burger King paid for the whole thing. Yeah. If they, got, if they had a kid and they hyphenated the name, the kid's name would be Burger King. I'm looking forward to war workers. So am I. Can't wait. Very much. I've seen their menu. It is it's Auckland Burgers, Wahlberg style, I believe. Or is it is? It, it? Yeah. Wahlburgers, Auckland style. Princess Wolf. March. Look out. We're coming for you. Right. We'll take a break. On the other side, Jeremy Thrush, former All Black, currently Western Force, retired, came back, scored the winning try. Looking forward to catching up with Thrushy after the break. Now we're going to go across and head to... Perth, where I can tell you it is 20 past nine in the morning. It's 27 degrees already, a high of 36 expected. The great man, All Black 1120, Jeremy Thrush joins the show. Thrushy, long time no speak. How are you? How are you? I'm good, mate. Um, I was supposed to introduce you as the Academy Assistant Coach, but now I can introduce you as the Western <laughs> Force try scoring lock. When did that come to fruition? Um. Probably Sunday last week, actually. Um, had a call from Chrono. Obviously, he uh, had spoken a little bit about um, we had Ryan, one of our locks, senior locks, fall over. And then, unfortunately, Isaac Rodder um, has re-injured his foot. So last Sunday, he kind of gave me a call and was a little bit more serious about me uh, putting the boots back on. So um, <laughs> Sunday was a long day, a uh, bit of toing and froing with the wife and if I was actually keen to do it or not and then um, yeah gave him the thumbs up and it all went from there really tried to tried to get through as much as I could or as well as I could of training that week and then <laughs> hopped on the field <laughs> Jeez, how, how much actual pre-season training had you done like you're a fit man anyway you've got years behind you so you've got good mileage in your legs but game day preparation I hope you did a bit more than a week no oh <laughs> I my, my body was pretty cooked when I retired, so I, I took about three or four months off of anything, and then slowly, like I hadn't I hadn't done a lot of running. Um, you know, I jumped on the watt bike, which I said I'd never do again once I finished, but um, I couldn't really run that well. And then uh, about a month ago, I, my body started come right. I was seeing a physio and um, and started doing a little bit of running, but nothing, nothing too intense, not not enough to get ready to play super rugby and then yeah realistically I I trained half of last week so did all the fitness stuff of the sessions not a lot of contact and then um, yeah just 
used a little bit of extra strapping tape to make sure everything was in place and <laughs> went for it. <laughs> what happened to, because when you retired, you thought, that's it, I'm done, not playing anymore, then you enjoyed that two or three months doing nothing. What happened to your competitive juices when you're in that dressing room, you're putting the gear on, you're sitting on the bench and you knew you were going to go out there? No, oh, yeah, that was that was that was that was always there. That uh, I had a pretty pretty good smile on my face. Um, most boys that know me that play me um, over the years know I get pretty pretty pumped up in the change room. So I had a bit of caffeine gum in in the mouth and was chewing away on with the big jaw going. So <laughs> uh, as soon as that started happening, I was I was uh, you know I felt pretty comfortable with everything. Um, so yeah, that was pretty good. And yeah, if you ask my wife, the competitive juice has probably never left, no. left me once I uh, um, retired. It probably just started happening with my four-year-old daughter or with her at home. So she was probably happy to get me out of the house and, and competing with someone else, to be fair. <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant. When you got that trial, I was thinking, Shit, I hope that's thrushy because he's going to get up. He's going to be part. You stood up, you're beating your chest. you got claret pouring out your nose. It's like you'd never been away. <laughs> yeah. I should have probably saved some energy because I was pretty buggered after that. Uh, there's, there's a celebration. Um, so there's still about four or five minutes left in the game that we had to get through, but um, no, it was great. It was good. It was a good story. My my daughter came. She loves coming to the game. Um, she's four years old. and Not to watch the rugby. There's a, the the fourth do a pretty good halftime show with dances and fireworks, so she's real pumped about that. So she was talking about that the whole, whole time after the game. Nothing about Dad playing rugby or anything, so... I guess it all puts it all in perspective pretty quickly, doesn't it? So it's pretty good. There's, there's been over the years quite a Kiwi connection to the Western Force. I mean, I see you've poached, I think, a very unheralded player in Chase Tiete who's going to play fullback for you. We've seen Cux, we've seen you, um, and now we've got Simon Thomas, who was with the Crusaders, as the as the conditioning guy, Simon Cronacorsa, Mark Ozich, who made a good fist of it with Hawks Bay as well, and, of course, your good self, Um is the Kiwi influence obvious to you there? Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, um, obviously, we're, we're dealing with, I guess, different athletes. You know, like New Zealand's very blessed with, um, you know, everyone plays rugby from a young age, so they, they, they have good skills. They kind of have good understanding of the game a little bit. Um, I guess over here, especially guys that have been born and bred from... Um, Rugby, like uh, from Perth, sorry, you know they're, they're competing with AFL or they've transferred from AFL or, or other sports. There's a lot of other sports that are, that compete pretty uh, highly with with rugby union over here. So um, I guess it puts, uh, and I've learned this from playing, but also now working with the academy boys, like it, it, it puts your coaching, um, you know, on probably under the microscope with just making sure you you know you're teaching the basics you're, you're worrying about the you know the catch pass the the understanding of the game and and learning the game a little bit more um over here that, that's from a probably a, a rugby w um Perth side of things um some of the guys come from over east you know they played through school so they, they they've got a pretty good understanding but um yeah the the knowledge of the game i don't know it could be the same as you i haven't been there for a while but that's kind of slipped a little bit. I don't think a lot of guys watch as much rugby as they used to. Um, not rugby nors like me or just love to watch a line out all day, um, depending <laughs> on who's playing. But um, yeah, that's probably something I have I have noticed since being here. Um, but 
we, it's actually quite funny that Chris Goodman, who's the Academy um, a high performance manager now who runs the show, my boss, uh, he's, he was from Tassie and the, and the Crusaders and he, he's, he's great as well. He does a really good job. Um, and there's a girl that works in the office who's a Kiwi as well that does all the, the merch and tickets and <laughs> earlier this year someone called up and complained that there's too many Kiwis in the office. So <laughs> we did a running joke that we've been trying to ring her up and put on all the accents and say that's us just <laughs> winding her up. <laughs> uh, you mentioned how you love to sit down and watch a line out. Uh, earlier in the show I gave my take on how much I actually re-enjoyed Super Rugby, the no-huddle line-out, uh, the rapid scrummaging. Um, you've been playing under one set of rules. There's been modifications, but this time from when the line-out's awarded to when you actually got to do it, for a spectator, it excites me. As a player, is there extra pressure because you haven't got as long to set? No, not really, because, like, then I, I, maybe it's just a thing that's come down from the Northern Hemisphere. Like, we, when I went to Gloucester, it was big. Like, you just, you call in a huddle and go in and make a call and then go with it. But, like, like everyone used to say it was it, it made line-outs faster, but in the end, it, it just slows it all down. Like, I, I, I believe you line-out as you get to the line-out and you you try to win with speed first, so you, you find space and you call to it. And that, I think that's coming back a little bit. And, um you know, I guess it means there's less calls and you're, you're just worrying about trying to get there and, and make sure you execute your skill and your craft to the, the highest you can. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's um, it's a good thing for the game. Um, wasn't good for my lungs out there when mm-hmm. scrums are quickly getting packed and, and you had to run to a line out and make sure you call them. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with your staff. It's probably a good thing going forward. Is recruiting a challenge for the Western Force, given like isolation can be a plus because you can sort of go under the radar a bit over there for the Force, but enticing players from around the world or out of East or out of New Zealand, is recruiting one of the one of the hurdles for you guys there? Um, it is. It, it, it is. We need to, I guess the first thing to help us with that is to, to perform on the field. If we have a successful um, high performance um, franchise that's that's going really well. I guess that makes recruiting easier. Um, we're doing a, a pretty good job at it, but I even found that with the academy um, a little bit. Obviously, I don't do much of the recruiting, but they for some reason ask me what I think of players, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> probably not always a good thing. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, like you, you, it's hard to get the pick of the best sometimes when. Um, you know, all the other states uh, over east are, you know, picking up all their good talent pretty quickly. Um, I think we've got a fair few young guys coming through our academy, a few that are from Perth and um, some that, like, for some reason, either slipped through the cracks or, or they they wanted to come to the force, which is which is great. That are great human beings um, that'll probably put the force jersey on in, in two or three years' time, hopefully. Um, and that's a big thing that they're focusing on here, which is awesome I reckon and, and part of what Goody's done and, and what they're doing here with the academy is they're trying to make sure that at, at some stage we get about 80% of, of Western Force players coming through from the, from graduating from our academy which um, if we can do that and become really successful on the field I think it'll make recruiting a lot easier. Do you see yourself a, a Perthite long term Jeremy like you did stick around once you retired obviously you've put the boots back on again can you see yourself settling there and, and living out your days? Yeah, well, this June's five years, which 
seems oh. crazy to be fair. Um, and we, we, we love it here. Um, we would have stayed here for a little while anyway, I think after, or when I had retired. Um, but we've got a, uh, I've got a four year old, as I mentioned, and then we've got a eight month old that, uh, um, is, has got cystic fibrosis. So, um, at the moment, Perth is a great place and for us to be with, with the help we can get through, um, I guess the, all the medical, um, staff and people over here in Perth's got a great, um, children's hospital that are leading the way with, um, a lot of stuff with, with CF. So it, it kind of made our decision a fair bit easier to be here and, and, and let Frankie, our, our daughter have, um, a pretty healthy life, um, over here in Perth. So we will be here for a little while at the moment. Yeah. Mm, well, sorry to hear that. Jeremy, I didn't know that thrushing no. about uh, young Frankie, no, no, but no. you're in the you're in she's the right fine. place. She's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's healthy, and <clears> we are in the right place. Funny how things work out when you kind of get news like that, but then you realise once we went in and spoke to the doctors that you know things are changing pretty quickly over there. I know um, even in New Zealand, Paddy Gow's been doing some good work. I think with trying to get mm. subsidies for for medication for people with CF. So um, yeah, over here in Perth, there's yeah, we, we get looked after really well, so we've got nothing to complain about, and we just keep her keep her healthy, and, and she'll she'll live a great life. Mm. Top man, Thrushy. Yeah. It's been too long. Uh, really enjoyed catching yeah. up with you. We've had a few texts into the show who are listening and now saying uh, Thrushy's champion bloke. What a great try! There's a whole string of them uh, saying it's really good to hear from you. So we wish you and yours well, buddy. And um, yeah, I'll be watching out for you in the force. Those seventy-five fifth-minute tries. They they're going to be your trademark. <laughs> That's all I've got left. <laughs> Good on you, buddy. Have a great week. Thanks so right. much. Thanks, mate. See ya. There is Jimmy Thrush, one of the absolute champion blokes, over 100 games for the Hurricanes, 70, 80 odd for the Wellington Lions, uh, 11 or 12 for the All Blacks, went to Gloucester. Now he's been in Perth for five years. Gosh, that's gone quick. And uh, just an absolute champion bloke, too. Um, Obviously, I never played with him, but I know a lot of guys that did and said he's just a champion bloke, and you could hear that coming through. Um, the men's sevens final is just about to get underway in Los Angeles. I'll keep you up to date with that. 374 for five uh, New Zealand. That's after 125 overs. Blundell is on 38. Kane Williamson on 88. That is a lead of... How many behind were we? That is a lead of... I really need to find that out before I start. Waxing, don't I? Um, oh, that one says 99. It's a lot more than that. I've just refreshed 148. So, about 150 in front. Blundell 38, Williamson 88, uh, 374 for five. Good second dig, considering we are following on. We'll take a break. We'll come back after that. Underway in the men's sevens final at the LA Sevens. Uh, three minutes gone. No score. Argentina hot on attack down the left hand flank. Good D so far from New Zealand, but I do fear Argentina. No, a turnover penalty to New Zealand. So three minutes, 50 to go. Still nil all. And Sam Dixon takes the tap, takes it out to the left. Big double skip pass. Out to a very long-haired chap on the left wing who is diseased with speed, and he should go all the way. He's taking it to the house. Diseased with speed. That actually reminded me, you've said it a couple times today, and it made me realise how weird it is that we say batsmen are getting dismissed makes me think of like a headmaster 
or someone just being like, you know, you're dismissed. Being so fired. What happens you're to allowed. Them. You're allowed to leave. You don't get to play anymore. No, but it's like, yeah, you're you're batting and you'd like really want to leave, and they're like, okay, you're dismissed. You, okay. you can go. It's like, great, yes, I can go back into the into the club room. You know. Some would, some would say a fair few of our batsmen have batted like that. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've had one one foot in the uh, media lunchroom. Um, staff, dear I, dear dear I, dream of where the Black Caps are at right now at 150 ahead because you know Baz is going to go for it. Yes, you so do. So you give you want to give and teams used to do this to us when Baz was in the team. They'd give you a sniff like they would declare at 220 runs ahead to force you to go for it. And that's when you get wickets or when teams are going for it. So so the only thing against Brendan McCallum in England is they have now developed a reputation. You know they will go for it. Correct. But you know they can do it. That's true as well. They've so got the confidence. You, you used to set like four or five runs and over, mm-hmm. over 45 overs, something like that, and it was a, was a contest. That is no contest for England now. <sighs> well, here's a hypothetical for you. Say they go for it. They lose seven or eight wickets, and we're into that scenario where they need 50 runs to win. They've got two wickets remaining, and it's the last session of the final day. Do you think they'll go for it, or do they play for a draw? They go for it. What if it's a bit hairier than that? Like, what if it's 100 runs in the final session with three wickets in hand? Well, if it's if it's batters eight and nine at the crease, may not go for it. Not 100% sure, but I just think just batters just go down swinging. Go and give it yeah. a lap. And so imagine so just the number want to draw nine. So imagine the number nine batsman. He's about to go out and he goes to Baz. What do you reckon I should do? What's Baz going to say? Have a go. Go for it, mate. Have a go, mate. Have a go, mate. Well, because was it against India or Pakistan recently where we gave them an opportunity on the last day? They lost a couple. Of, I think it was Pakistan, the one that ended in a draw because of the bad light. Cracking test. Came down to the last over remember yep. but we gave them a chance to win and they sort of were going and then they started losing wickets and it was obvious they started playing for the draw yeah and then those last few batters were playing for the draw even though they only needed 30 odd runs they just didn't want to give up the wicket so they just played for a draw whereas like you said if teams know that you're not going to play like that it's sort of more incentive to declare and make you want to chase so mm. i agree with mckay i think 250 is like if we can get to two that's only 100 more runs Depends how many overs are left, though. But yeah, if we oh, you mean a lead of two, two a lead of two fifty, which I think we could get by the end of today. We got another what, th- oh, two hours, three hours, more. Yeah, so we go to six, don't mm, we? Yeah. Well, why don't you declare an hour before tea? No, you don't declare today. Uh, just before tea, no. just before tea, get a couple of quick minute uh, wickets going into tea with a little bit of fading light, and you give them four sessions to get two hundred and fifty. It's 250 to 300. It's, the, it's just the fact that they're having a ch- Like, you know they talk about those big four fourth innings chases, and they're never that high. Oh, not Sorry, they're week, never man. that high. They're, they're always, you know, it's not like we're talking 400 runs. I mean, you look at that, they bring out the stats, like highest chases in a fourth innings at the Basin, and the highest is like 220. I tell you what, text me in, listeners, double eight, double three. What's the equation where we can... What's the equation get your where good we can hunting, Could you get Will, Goodwill Hunting whiteboard out and yeah. work out the math? See, I reckon, I reckon, if we gave them sixty overs at six and over, that's we need three fifty. Yeah, but see, but go, if you if they're going for it, they're more likely to give away wickets. Whereas if they've got, if they're happy to coast and maybe have a draw, they won't go for it, which means less likely getting wickets. I think if they go, for, whilst I agree with you that they have the ability to get the totals, also them going for it lends itself to more opportunities to mm. get wickets. I think we're better positioned if roles were reversed. So if England were batting now, 
and Baz said, what should we set New Zealand to chase down? I think we'd, you'd get a bit more of an entertainment factor, but just the fact of Kane's in, uh, Gary Stead's in the grandstand, I just don't see any Cavalier attitude whatsoever emanating from the Black Caps. Well, one thing we should give them is credit staff because you know we, were, we had completely ridden them off probably yesterday and a great recovery here from Kane. Look, if we lose a couple of quick wickets here, then we're very much back in the poo. But I think we do have to give a little bit of credit to Kane and oh, yes. Dazza and uh, and Blundell, Blundell, who is batting at the moment because they've you know kept us in it. They've kept us in it. Did you see that? Now he is diseased. Outside. He is diseased. Oh, he is diseased. Hey, Steph as as well, um, confirming tomorrow. Really looking forward to this. We're going to uh, chat to the head greenkeeper of Millbrook. What a job that would be. Do you know one of my dream jobs is to be a greenkeeper? Yeah, yeah, because I love grass, love grass and lawns. Um, well, we're going to talk to one of the best in the biz down at Millbrook. Got a big team down there. Saw a team photo of about twenty of them. Did you? Yeah, and they'll be loving it this week. How how long? How far out do you think they're prepping for uh, for a, for an event like this? Well, if they're going to call the greens, you're going to need about three months of recovery for that. So I would say they've been on it since early December. I almost think it's a year. Oh, I reckon you start your renovations, you know, a year out. They call them lawn renovations, I hope you know. Mm. Half time in the sevens, New Zealand 17, Argentina nil. Money. And money. And we are top of the standings at the moment. And the teams that were all behind us didn't make the semis. So a commanding lead on the World Series stage. And they have really clicked into gear. Have the All Black Sevens um, refound some form uh, and refound some young. Speedy players. They're a joy to watch. Um, Brady Rush. Case in point. We'll take a break. If you want to play the vault, three questions you get today. $200 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. 0800-150-811. Give us a yell. See if you can win it. Three questions. One answer. Can you crack the vault? Well, the $200 bonus bet up for grabs in full board, of course. All 10 lines are full, so I'm going to spin the wheel in here, uh, which is just an electronic thing with no sound, but we like sound. It's still spinning. How do you stop it? Oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> nine. Who's on line Jeepers, nine? There we're going deep into the, into the caves of the phones there. It's never been I that I think it's high, Mark from Invercargill. Mark from Invercargill. G'day, Mark. Mark from Invercargill. Yes, I'm well. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Mark from Auckland, uh, formerly of Wellington, Christchurch, Hamilton, Gisborne, and Palmerston North. Now, um, <laughs> Jeep is even everywhere. You get three questions today. Are you abreast of what's been happening so far? Oh, I heard a lot of it. I did hear Friday. Um, but am I allowed to recap of a couple? Ooh. I'll tell you what if oh, you, mate, if, The Hollanders didn't do many favours It's true actually No well look if, if if you heard Friday That's the um. Oh you didn't hear <laughs> Yeah you didn't hear Thursday You don't need to hear Thursday If you heard Friday Because Friday. I think you should be pretty close So you get three questions And right. a guess Hit us with your first question um, First question Is it an individual accolade? Individual accolade um, Yes Okay, second question. Does it involve someone on the opposition team who they're playing right now? Yes. Right, I'll just take a guess, eh? Oh, 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 Mark, 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 Mark. You got an extra. You got a wait, question, wait. mate. You make sure you get this right because you don't want to be one of those guys. Oh, right so right. just take your third question. 
did New Zealand win the two-match series 1-0? Um, gee, that's very specific. Uh, probably too specific for the uh, for what I've got here. Um, I'm going to say, would you say one nil? The two yeah. match series one nil. Uh, that yes. the sporting moment was from Sam. Hey, let's you... just let's just go. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yes, okay. they did. So your guess right. for the I'm, sporting moment my is guess would be uh, one Brendan McCullum hitting 32 fours and four sixes to hit 300 runs for New Zealand against India. Are you talking about the little cricketing genius? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, the master. The, the uh, you mean, uh, you mean you're talking about New Zealand's master, the little cricketing genius. I'll, uh, put, it into, correct, yeah. I'll put it into the, uh, the vault combination. We'll find out if you're correct, Mark. I don't know if you are. 6.21 for six, and Brennan McCullum is on 2.98. Nailed. He works it to the gap. He's got it. Magnificent. New Zealand have a superstar, a little cricketing master. And he can now stand tall alongside the game's greats. Oh, there it is. There, there it, is. it is. Mark. Mark, an Invercargill $200 bonus bet will go a long way down the deep south. Yeah, a few amber ales, most likely. <laughs> That's what we like. As you decide how to spend the 200 bonus Yeah, spend? and how are you going to spend the cash, Mark? Oh, I'm, I'm unsure. I'll, um, I'll have a nudge. I'll have to have a look. I don't know if I'll be risking any on the Highlanders, but we'll no. see how we go. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, no. You, you keep us up no. to date with uh, just a cheeky little text here and there on how you're um, fiscally responsibly attributing your bonus bets and we'll follow in your yep. fortunes. That's right. Currently uh, in the tattoo studio right now, getting pained on the wrist. So we'll deal with that while I'm at it. What are you getting on the wrist? Uh, not the SCNZ logo, is it? No, we're not getting the SCNZ logo just <sighs> yet. Um, I'm doing an arm sleeve with my, all my family star signs and stuff, and we're just doing background now. Magic. Magic. Oh, I love that. All right, Mark. Um, I, hopefully we've distracted you from a little bit of pain. Wrap your wrist in glad wrap yep. and don't shower for three days. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Yep. Good on you. Good on you, buddy. There he is, Mark from Invercargill. $200. I, I just hope Mark doesn't end up like... Who was, who was it that we gave like a $500 sort of package to and the, he blew it within about two days? Oh, I know. That's, yeah, just that, play it smart. Play it smart. Bre- uh, Maybe. I can't remember who it was. Just play it smart. Yeah, he just chewed through it. Absolutely chewed through it. So we'll let uh, Manai get his details. We'll have another uh, vault commencing tomorrow, Sam. You're going to have to go and find another magnificent sporting moment. You said to me you thought that would go in two days, uh, win in three. You're thinking you're going to go... You always make it gettable on the first day if you ask the right questions, correct? I'm actually going to to let you pick the um, vault tomorrow. All right. Okay, I'll come up with a sporting moment. All right, I'll do that. I've already got one in my head. There we go. There we go. Uh, so you can tune in about this time tomorrow, and we will we will do that for you. Oh, sevens. Look at this. Getting close. 17-12 to New Zealand. Oh, the dummy. Seven seconds to go. Oh. And Brody Rush touches down and goes, yeah, boys, here I am. The big body slams a la NBA. New Zealand are going to win Argentina 12. New Zealand 22. Kick to come. Time up on the clock. Another victory. For New Zealand on the World Seven stage, this is this is an incredible group of young men who have found their form, like in yesteryear. Joe Weber flicked it over to Brady Rush, 
little dummy inside pass and goes over and scores the try. So magnificent. So their lead will be extended atop the standings of the World Rugby Sevens. And in the cricket, the update is New Zealand are... Are they still uh, no more wickets? Please, no more wickets. Lead by 155. 155. Uh, I'll give you more up to date. Uh, 3815 they are at the moment. Blundell on 44. Williamson creeping along, but he's still there. He's 89, not out. Welcome back. In 22-12, the men's sevens have won, and I don't know, they haven't updated yet, but going into this uh, tournament, they were, what's that, nine points ahead of South Africa, who didn't make the semi-finals. New Zealand's going to get another 22 points for winning, so they got eight points in Hong Kong, then they've come third in Dubai, second Cape Town, second Hamilton, first Sydney, first LA, so they are an absolute tier. Uh, as is Kane Williamson and the New Zealand International Cricket Test Team. They are currently 393 for five. Kane Williamson, 98. Tom Blundell on 47 as they continue this amazing fight back considering they have been forced to follow on. We will take a break and when we come back in the next half hour, we're going to talk to James Preston, Kiwi 800 metre runner who's back from Australia getting ready for the Nationals this weekend. Wild boars. Yeah, but it's wild boys. But it's wild But boys. is it like one of those things where if you say it like in an Italian accent, it sounds like wild boars, you know? Like yeah, well, at the start, it's wild boars. Wild boars. It's wild boys. I know it is. I know. But, but it sounds like boars. So, you know, like the, the Spice Girls one, eh? It's like if you say space ghettos in an American accent, you're saying Spice Girls in an Irish accent. <laughs> space ghettos. <laughs> There's that one, and then there's um, if you say beer can, you know, in a something accent, sounds like bacon in a Jamaican accent. Beer can. If you say yeah, beer can in a Scottish accent. Beer can. It's beer can in a Jamaican. It's beer can. So is it something like that? Wild boys, wild yeah, boys. Listen, he's gonna do it now. Well, Ballsy, I'll take that. You'll take that? I'll take that, given what's going on in Italy. Given I didn't know what was, that that was your what's being used, first thing that came to my mind. 2.3 mil, wild boars in Italy, running amok in the streets of Rome. The 100? No. Blunder's got his 50. Blunder's gone to 56. New Zealand 402 for five off the boundary. Yeah, boys. Yeah, boys. Blundell. Kane Williamson still in on 98. Doesn't have the strike yet. We will keep a very close eye. Gosh, the outfield looks magnificent at the Basin Reserve. Beautiful grass. Grass banks are full around the perimeter at the Chalo Basin Reserve. Let's give the naming rights sponsor their due. Big shout out. Big shout out. And the grass is looking fantastic, Steph. And might I add as well, we did talk about um, the Millbrook Golf Course. Uh, I was out in North Shore playing yesterday, and they've done a great job considering all the rain recently. Yeah, that's a couple of of felled trees, but man, did it look good. And I actually. Got a bit of stick from the boys because I got on my knees as I do, you and didn't. I just felt I earthed I earthed myself <laughs> and just felt the Kentucky blue. I believe it was Kentucky blue. Kentucky and blue is that the name yeah, of grass? It's the name of a type of grass. Yeah, very fine, very nice, but beautiful, beautiful coverage. And out there playing with our mate Steve out in the office here, who former Blackstick Steve Genius, uh, Gen- Genus, Genus, um, over 250 games I believe for the Blacksticks or close to. And I tell you what, Steph, that man can hit an absolute bomb, like. I mean, you've probably seen it before, but I've never seen someone hit a ball like that. It was massive. And when they say I'm going for it, mm. and you just watch the stance open up, and they just heave at it, gosh, it's good to watch. 
massive. So. I've, I've told you the story about the absolute fluke time I played with Michael Campbell. Do you have not? So, Lawmaster Championship, Lawmaster Tournament, which is, I don't Great know. Great mower. It probably still is being played down at Manawatu Golf Club. Mm-hmm. And somehow I jammed an amazing first round, like, don't know how. And they did a redraw after the morning round. And in the afternoon, I played with Michael Campbell and Stephen Scarhill. Oof. Two New Zealand Stevie. reps. Stevie Scarf. Teed off the 10th, uh, bogeyed the 10th, parred the 11th, which is just a little wedge, par three. And sure. then you get to the 12th. Mm-hmm. And um, I teed off last, but uh, Scarhill teed off. And then Michael Campbell, he lined up to, to tee off down, and it's sort of a bit of a dog leg left with poplar trees down the left. Yep. And he lined up, you, you generally hit a three wood, and then you just got a nine iron. Sure. He gets a three wood out, he's standing there, and he just looked up and he went, nah put his three wood away, pulled out the driver, lifted the ball up off the tee, opened his stance completely and went straight across the corner. Did you do a Tommy Fleetwood? And I was just like, are you serious? Wow. It was a Brooks Kepka. Up and Kepka. over. Up and over. Was it Kepka, the one who was cutting the scoreboard? Who was it that yeah, was Kepka. cutting the scoreboard? Uh, yeah, um, was that Fleetwood? No, it was um, not Yucca Neiman. It was not Victor Hovland. One of those. Oh, it was Victor Hovland. It was, was Victor, Victor Hovland. Yeah, yeah, it was Victor Hovland. Yeah. Um, but, and I watched that. I just didn't want to hit then because everyone was just ooing and ahhing. And mm. I just got my driver out and hit as hard as I could. And I was about 80 metres behind Campbell. Hard God. as I could. Yeah, Cam- Michael Campbell, great off the and tee, wasn't he? What was, what was embarrassing is I can't remember their scores exactly, but they were both in the 60s. Yeah. So sort of 67, 68. And I'm in my second round playing with them, all the gallery. 86. <laughs> I'd be happy with 86, Steph, me personally. Um, but 86. yeah, in, in the circumstances, maybe not. How many How many clubs do you carry in your bag, by the way? 14. You carry the full complement? Uh, 13, 14, 13. I, um, I think I've got 11 and I've got a massive full Nike bag. I'll tell you what, Stephen and Dill um, were walking around. I think they're called Hiroki bags. Hiroki. Hiroki, which is um, a New Zealand-based company. Mm. And they're just little like pencil bags that just go over one shoulder. Mm. And they've got, I don't know if they've got a full set of clubs out there. Apparently you can fit a full set in there. But I picked it up and like you're talking my one's your your twenty five kg baggage claim. Their one is their one's your, your carry on. Like the difference is crazy and they love them. And you don't stand them or anything, you just put them on the ground. They are all the craze overseas. It'll they come are. to New Zealand. Yeah. It'll come to New Zealand. I think so. Yeah, Hiroki they they were called New Zealand company. So um Any I old golfers up. out there will, will remember who Arthur Kitto is. I played with Arthur Kitto at the Glenny Cup, which I think was every Eastern. You had two rounds at Belmont and two rounds at Castlecliff and uh, Wanganui, and I played around two rounds with Arthur Kitto, Arthur Kitto, who was about 72, mm. and he had a three wood, a four iron, a seven iron, and a putter. <laughs> that was it. Hey. And, I, and I said to Arthur, I said, What happens if you go in a bunker? And he said, I just lay open the seven iron. He went in a bunker, he laid open the seven iron, put it to about six foot. Oh my gosh. Uh, beat me by about 10 shots, and he had four clubs, and he was 72. We probably do. I mean, certainly me overthink it, don't we? Thinking oh. you've got a million clubs, you've got to use every single one, and oh, my six is a 140, and my seven's a 130. It's like just. But you see, know. If, you get, if you've got a shot that's the perfect six iron, and you've only got a five or a seven, what do you do? Just load up. <laughs> put a t- can you put a tee on a fairway? Um, Millbrook. Have you ever played Millbrook? Yes. Mm. A tough course? Um, the hills is tougher for me. Okay. Um, 
Jack's points tougher again. <laughs> is Millbrook, is it always at Millbrook? Sorry, my ignorance for the New Zealand Open. Um, I think this year it is. It used to be they'd split it between Millbrook and the Hills, mm-hmm. but I think it's totally Millbrook this time, and I think it was last time as well. That's right, yeah, they did the split as well. And uh, just finally finished full swing as well over the weekend. Same, yeah. I finished. Got a little reason. episode on Rory to finish, which was a bit wholesome. Are you a Rory fan, just quickly? Yeah, yeah. huge fan, mm. huge fan. I watched a lot of the LPGA in the weekend, actually, because Lydia was in contention. Jeez, there's some couple of 20-year-old Thai golfers. Their swings are amazing. Uh, one's a very tall, uh, lanky uh, golfer, 20, played in the pre-qualifying, was leading with a hole to go, and um, just didn't quite finish the deal. Uh, should we take a break and come back with our next guest? We will. We'll take a break. We'll come back with James Preston. He's Kiwi 800-metre runner, third fastest of all time. Well, he was at this time last year. The only two New Zealanders that had run 800 metres faster than him were... Peter Snell and John Walker, and then James Preston. So he'll join the show after this. Broad comes into bowl to Kane Williamson on 99 not out, and it's good length, just fended down out to out to point. 99 not out, Blundell on 58, New Zealand uh, 405 for five. Who would have guessed that? Leading by 179. So we'll keep a look out. Kane Williamson, 99 not out, 224. What a perfect time for a return to the scoring scoring box for Kane Williamson. Um, I'll just watch this one more ball. Uh, hold on there, James. Big moment in New Zealand sport about to happen. If Kane Williamson can get this 100, Broad has one for 66 off his 20. Comes into Williamson, bowls, and he just defends it out to mid-off. No run. Right, time to talk to this chap that I haven't ever spoken to before, but I watched him last week at a meeting in Australia, and I always cheer wildly when New Zealanders are racing or fighting or playing against Australians, and he got the chocolates in the 800 metres. He joins us now, James Preston. Welcome in, James. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for making all my cheering worth it last week in Australia. It was a fantastic race. Yeah, it was uh, nice to be in a very competitive race. Um, pretty scrappy one, which I think made for all the better watching. So good to run fast and good to be in a nice competitive one. What sort of nick do you feel like you're in for the 800 metres uh, with the Nationals just around the corner? Are you at the, at the peak of your powers at the moment? Wouldn't be far off it, I think. I mean, for us, certainly the better part of the season is the June-July period. Um, but based off what I ran in Melbourne, um, I was half a second off my PB in a pretty scrappy race. So um, in pretty good shape from what, I, from what we see. The obvious thing when watching you run is you seem about a foot taller than the rest of the field. So... Uh, there's no point running behind someone to break uh, break any breeze that might be happening. Do you find a lot of people try and tuck themselves in behind you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, the plan for that race is to try and get out a bit further forward, but uh, I feel the Australians are pretty keen to get there before me. Um, so, yeah, sometimes. I mean, when we head overseas, usually you get a few of the bigger guys, so that's a bit nicer to tuck them behind them. How long have you been running? Can you tell us about your introduction to athletics? Yeah, so I guess I've probably been doing it as long as I can remember. Um, New Zealand's really good with just the primary school athletics days where you go out and have a bit of a, bit of a go at everything. Um, but I wasn't super competitive until sort of my mid to late teens. Um, I was a hockey player for most of that time, but 
had a bit of success around sort of 17, 18. So relatively new in the grand scheme of things. So how did you land on 800 metres? I know you've done a few 15s as well. How do you figure out as a teenage athlete who's doing well that 800's my gig as opposed to a 400 or a 3,000? Yeah, I guess probably enjoy the punishment a wee bit. Um, <laughs> I think it was um, was always sort of good at uh, the 15 and the cross country and the longer stuff, but um, had a bit of that speed from just the hockey I was doing. So ended up being pretty good at it. I mean, I hated the eight to begin with, but eventually decided that I liked it. It's punishing. Like... Um... At my old school, we used to, at Palmy Boys, we had to run every discipline for PE. There was a thing called the five-star medal or certificate or something, and everyone got timed on every discipline. I thought the four was the hardest. I spewed after that. Uh, the eight wasn't much better. It, it's a taxing distance, though, isn't it? So I want to know, as a percentage in an average race, because I know some races are sit and sprint and some races are gunned down from the start and very tactical. The the, the first 600 metres, how close to 100% speed are you? Do, you? do you sort of go at about 70? Um, so the first, two, the first 200 metres is within maybe like a second or two of my 200 metre PB. I mean, that's wow. possibly because I don't run many twos, but for the first 400 that's then within maybe two three seconds so you, you're there or thereabouts for the first lap um the main thing is just trying to hold on over the end i mean normally it looks like you have a few guys pulling away but usually they're just slowing down less than everyone yeah i've always uh likened it to greyhound race because the, the, the greyhounds run as fast as they can for as long as they can and while it looks like someone's accelerating you're right it is the rest of pack slowing down so what sort of mental gymnastics goes on in your head with 150 to go yeah i mean we typically look at about a two second deficit so if we're trying to run say 146 we'll go out in a 52 first lap and then a 54 second lap so when you're coming into that home straight you know it's probably going to be pretty slow but as long as you're still feeling good um you should be on for a pretty good one and if it's a windy meeting do you prefer the headwind in the back straight or the home straight that's a good one. Um, I had a windy meeting around this time last year, and I think I preferred to have the headwind down the back straight. You're a little bit fresher then, and you can sort of relax into that headwind. Well, relax as much as you can, um, and then just sort of bring it home with the tailwind over the last hundred. So what do you see as your strength, James? We're talking to James Preston. He's the fastest man in New Zealand at the moment, over 800 metres. Is it, is it a kick finish? Is it like um, speed on the whole way and try and spit people out behind you? What, what tactically in a race suits you the best? Well, it's, it's been tough over the last couple of years because most of the races, well, we haven't had um, championship races just because of COVID. We've sort of had a few athletes not be able to travel back to New Zealand. So most of the races have been just generally fast from the get-go. Um, so I haven't done many slow tactical races. In the past, I probably would have seen a set of slow tactical race, but I think it's somewhere in the middle at the moment. Um, fast enough that it's challenging, but still slow enough that you can wind up a wee bit over that last 100 to 150. So since all those travel restrictions did finish with uh, the nightmare that was COVID, have you been able to travel and do a little bit um, internationally? 
Yeah, so we raced internationally through June, July in Europe last year. Um, and then the season has just opened it up a lot more through the domestic season. We've just been able to go back and forth um, from Australia. Uh, whereas last year we sort of had to go on, had to go and base myself in Melbourne for a month and a half, two months. So how do you choose or map out your competitive diary, you know, looking ahead a year? Do you pick and choose or do you have to be invited to some or selected for some? How does all of that work? Yeah, um, so I guess this is more my coach, Evan Cooper. He's a bit of a, a wizard when it comes to periodization and planning this. But we'd look at sort of two two peaks throughout the year. So looking to peak in March, April for the domestic season and then June, July for the European season. Um, but for the domestic races, typically I'm fast enough to make the, well, the New Zealand races and there are thereabouts to see Australian races in, in the past. Um, this year it was a bit easier. We were getting invited to the Australian races, but with the European ones, I guess it's, it depends on what kind of level meet you're trying to race at. If we're trying to go for top level meets, then you've got to plead with the meet organisers. Um, <laughs> whereas some of the more low-key meets are just being to yourself. But I do have a manager, and he's been helping out. He's helped immensely over the last sort of 12 months with finding these really good opportunities that in the past we may overlook. And does it basically you just have to present to those meets, hey, look, I can run this time, and I want to run here, and they'll just basically look at the time? Yeah, so you're, you're supposed to go through a manager. So the, I think the World Athletics rules and regulations stipulate that athletes aren't supposed to liaise directly with meet organisers. So you've got to go through a manager and then the manager's typically going to talk around like personal best, season's best, maybe spin a bit of a yarn around how training's going and try and convince them to get you in. Um, often I think it's about who you know, that kind of stuff. Um, some of the European and American guys often get leveraged into races off other athletes. So, yeah. How's your training changed over the last, obviously the, the COVID situation, but you're an athlete before then. How much does your routine change, your schedule change to keep things fresh and I guess ultimately to get you faster? Yeah, it's been pretty big change over the last, say, four to five years. So I had a couple of pretty big injuries in 2017 and 2018, 2019. So I had two stress fractures. Um, and so before that, I was running a higher volume than I am now, so sort of at 100k weeks, whereas now we've dropped it down to at very most 60 to 70. So we sort of focused a wee bit more on less volume, more quality. Um, but over the last sort of year to two years, it stayed pretty consistent, just focusing on these little um, marginal gains and small improvements. Actually, that folds in nicely to a text we've gotten from a listener saying, can you ask... Uh, James, about a split between endurance training and what that entails and speed training and what that entails. Yeah, so even though my mileage is relatively low, we'd probably say that I'm a bit more aerobic. So um, I will do like an easy threshold at least once a week, so 10 to 20 minutes. So that's sort of focusing on a specific heart rate, um, not overly taxing, but most of the, the training we'll do will be sort of around 1,500 metre race pace. Um, so, yeah, quite a quite a bit of slower stuff, um, but then we sort of sprinkle in some, like, real top-end speed 
at least once a week. So that'd be like a 150 or a 200 or a 300 basically um, for it. Jesus. I remember talking to Portia Bing, and I know she's got hurdles in her way um, to run her 400 metres, but the amount of technical input in arms and head and stride length and counting and all of that, how much technical expertise or feedback do you get from your coaches about your actual stride? Yeah, so Evan Cooper, my coach, is pretty hands-on. Um, he'll pretty much give me feedback every training. We'll do one a week that's focused on technical, the technical side of things. So that's sort of walking over hurdles, um, some fast stuff over the short mini hurdles. Um, and that's where we look at sort of, I guess, knee position, um, hip position, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's not only trying to make us run fast, but run more efficiently and hopefully reduce the chance of injuries if we're running a bit smoother. And how hard is it to access that when you're actually in the heat of competition for for your minute 40-odd? Um, how hard is that to keep that, if you've been working on a knee or a hip or an elbow or a shoulder or whatever it is when you're in the heat of the battle? Do you, do you train it so hard so it's second nature or can you be conscious of it while you're racing? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, some days you feel like you're running a million miles an hour and it feels easy as and you could keep on going for, you know, another couple of laps. Um, when it's that case, you know, pretty easy. You don't really have to think about it. But there's other days you're having a bit of a rough one and everything seems to fall apart over the last 150. But often when that's the case, it's usually pretty quick. So as long as you're focusing on those little technical things, you should probably run through the line pretty well. And coming into the Nationals, do you target first place or do you target a time? Uh, this year we'll be targeting placing. Um, we've got Brad Mathis coming back over. He's, I think, like a seven or eight time New Zealand champion. So he's very fast and we had a good battle last weekend in Melbourne. So I think with the presence of a guy as fast as him and a quality racer like him, it's certainly focusing on the win. When he couldn't come over because of COVID, it was a bit more of a focusing on trying to run fast. Brilliant. Well, James, I wish you all the very best. Um, is it just the one event for you this weekend, just the 800? Not that you'd have any petrol left to do something else. Yeah, just the 800. We did consider before, but a bit too much racing the one weekend for me. Yeah. What about a high jump or something or, or, or a shot put, you know? <laughs> I'd love to, but not quite built for those events. (laughs) Hey, awesome, James. Uh, Thanks heaps for chatting to us today, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. James Preston there. Um, 800 metres this weekend, third fastest New Zealander of all time behind Peter Snell and John Walker. So that's pretty... Pretty good credentials. And an update, I didn't want to interrupt the conversation, it would be rude, but Kane Williamson has made his century. He's 105 off 231 balls. That doesn't matter, the 105 does, and the fact that he is not out does as well. Blundell, who was going along at a runner ball for a while, he settled in nicely. Now he's 58 off 99, 411 for five. New Zealand with a lead of 185. Uh, This is a brilliant... um, a brilliant fight back by New Zealand, considering they are following on to get the 4 11 for 5 at the Basin Reserve. The crowd is, it's funny, you know. I look in the stand, these jackets, polar fleeces, the whole shebang, uh, and then they show the grass bank, and I just saw a fella in a steady the ship cap and shirtless. 
um, soaking in the overcast sun uh, skies of Wellington. Um, so there you go. Uh, how do I get the cricket commentary on SENZ? <laughs> I get a lot of these. You don't because uh, we don't have the broadcast rights. I apologise. Um, a few more text messages. I'll, I'll get one out of the way. Uh, this is from Baza English saying, Hey, Staff, long-time battler, first-time texter. I'd just like to mention how amazing it was to see professional boxer Jake Paul put his best foot forward this morning. Even though we didn't get the results, he will rebuild. We! Baza English is in Jake Paul's camp. Professional boxer, I tell you what, he's a YouTuber who's just dead lucky he got a boxer in there and got taught a lesson. Got taught a lesson. Be interesting to see what he does next. Though apparently he's invoking the rematch clause. So that'll be the next fight in Saudi. So maybe that's why it was scripted that way. Anyway, we'll take new sport and weather. When we come back, we will revisit our Show Me The Money. We will have a look back in the day and a couple of other bits and bobs as well. Show me the money. Show me the money. I can feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Just before we get into this, Sam, just trying to find it. Here it is. Speaking of showing us the money, um, I gave you boys a horse tip last oh, week. Oh, yes, so you did. All of. All of. Um, and it won. It did. Paying $6. Fantastic. Um, so here's the thanks I've got from you guys. A message from Sam Hewitt, all of one. That was it. Mm, that was my praise. A message from Manaya, three strawberries. Needed, Jam. Needed that. That's it. Mm. Very little thanks. Well, I mean, I just thought Very it was implied. Acknowledgement. I just thought it was applied. That, well, you can know. I take this opportunity then, since this has happened, to sincerely from the bottom of my heart, Thank the person that gave you that tip. <laughs> <laughs> but I chose to pass it on. Oh, but, uh, I needed it, um, and I then reinvested it sure, all into Jake Paul and lost it. So, And here's the other thing. Mm. I didn't back it because I didn't want to hex it for you guys. Oh, get off the grass. Seriously? I didn't back it. And then my mate, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Didn't you? Nah. You just put all off one. I just I just make message me saying all off one because I passed it, it on. Mate? I just passed it on. Always pass on any tips I get. Did that make thank you, Sam? I hope that I made, the, no, none of them thanked me. None of them thanked me. How many did you tell? Nah, it's just a tipping group, and we never anyone gets tips from anyone. We just post it in there. So I just posted it and said someone reckons all off tomorrow if it rains it's scratched or whatever. <laughs> um, what have you said? Now the other one that really got me was someone gave us one at Elevens over in Australia. Yes, and it came second. <laughs> Oh. And it was, I think it was winning and it lost it right at the end. Or maybe oh, the it didn't Canary kick. Park race, yeah. the it, night race. It came right at the death. I think it lost. Who's to Jake? Someone said J Mac, maybe? Oh, that's, that guy said, and it had won its last two starts. It was paying 11, but it was yep. midnight, so I didn't watch it. Yeah, it was at yeah, 11.50 or something. Anyway, and then the other thing, second. you've put on a multi today on the NHL, and you didn't tell us, and it won. Correct, because I definitely subscribe to the belief that if you tell everyone about your tip, it'll never come in. So, yeah. I, I didn't tell anyone, Mark, and here I am. And people say, you know, um, tips, not slips. You know, mm. No point telling us after the fact, but I've just gone and done it. Anyway, shall we revisit some genuine cash right. from last week, which Let's was show me the money, 50 buck bonus bet. Uh, it was paying about 1,500 smackaroos to come in. Should it have come across the line? Has it come across the line? We'll, we'll find out. So I think the first one to go was actually... 
the horse, wasn't it? Yes, it there was. There was a horse tip from a particular caller on the Thursday night. Was it TK Megastar? TK Megastar racing on Thursday night. Had we to had come, it had to top first, two. First or second. Top two at about $2.40. TK Megastar presented back to the inside. Tedesco. Miss Alyssa in front leads from TK Megastar. Tedesco runs on powerfully. Tedesco at the 100. Moved to the lead from TK Megastar who ran to second. The others fight out the minors. Tedesco wins it easily. Tedesco by two lengths beat TK Megastar. Miss Alyssa ran third from Prince Decker. Show me the money. Mm. Great to start off with a win. Great to start off with that a win. That was the uh, listeners' one as well. It was, correct, yeah. And um, Tedesco, who we had mentioned in the chat as well, ended up coming first. Uh, and then we go to Friday, and I believe it's James Harden and the nice Stuart um, Dudden. He actually found the Excel sheet that was – we actually should send it to your staff because it is one of the most in-depth pieces – Yeah, thorough bits of uh, sports gambling research I've ever seen in my life. Um, this guy ranked cities by their strip club rating and oh, found out yes. if James Harden played better or worse in each city. And after Manaya dug into that research, he went and said that Harden was going to score. Was it less than – 21 and a half. Less than 21 and a half points. Aldama picked up that fourth foul. Harden with a three! Harden with 28! Oh. <laughs> He yeah. actually finished with 31. And I sent a, uh, a screenshot into the group chat over the weekend. Mm. What I didn't know when I placed that bet, and I should have done more research, I thought that was enough. Um, he was wearing a headband. We remarked upon that of on course. Friday. Yeah. What, what impact is that going to have? Uh, turns out he was wearing it uh, for a sick kid that told him he was his favourite player, so he'd ah, been FaceTiming him. Um, you know he's going to score 30 points after that. Then he put on a headband with, I think, the kid's name on it. And, uh, I mean, had I known that... <laughs> Had you known about the kids? So we're mm. dead in the water at this point, but we crack on, Steph, because we like to you know keep each other accountable. Uh, then on the Friday night, I jumped into the Chiefs Crusaders, and I was thinking of something tasty to do with the Chiefs. Plenty of power plays on offer. I chose Chiefs and the Crusaders to both score 10 points in either half, and I believe Kenny once again texted through the show and said that I've been smoking the meth. Um, this is what happened at halftime. And uh, that will do us for the first half here at Orange Theory Stadium. And it's been tight and it's been fluid. That is for certain. And at halftime, the Crusaders lead the Chiefs by 10 points to 7. 10 points to 7. Needed the penalty. Didn't come. Thanks, Ref. Also, I've never heard of something being described as both tight and fluid. Uh, interesting. <laughs> tight on the scoreboard. Haven't you? But fluid. <laughs> Anyway, that didn't go. You're, you're fine, Manaya. You're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you uh, 72 hours notice. <laughs> you can leave. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, Steph, our final pick was your uh, your tip of the Black Caps v England uh, to go to a draw. Um, you were predicting a lot of rain. Um, not sure where you got that information. but Met service. Met service. How dare they? Uh, um, still alive. It is actually. Yeah. It is actually and still And it's actually like, dry. It's been as high as about $15. I'd actually say it's more likely yeah, it's, now it, than it, it maybe was It was as high on. as 15 It's now 325 and it's just been suspended. So I'd imagine someone's just put, just speaking on the cricket, a quick diversion, if I may. Please do. Please. It just showed a woman in the crowd with this huge sign. It says, Ben Stokes, mm. my boyfriend's here to watch the cricket. I'm here to watch you. And then they showed her boyfriend. He's a splitting image of Ben Stokes. Really? Yeah. And then someone's obviously just screenshotted their TV, 
and text her the photo and then they go back to her and she's showing her boyfriend the photo of them on TV. Wow, that's Inception vibes there. You just went a couple of layers, but <laughs> what an amazing result. Did you say splitting or spitting image? Spitting. Yeah, that's another one that gets me. What's the correct one? Oh, some people say splitting. Splitting. Yeah, some people say splitting image. Oh. Spitting doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? What do you say? So I say spitting. I learned that in uni. We first day of uni, we had a class on all the things that get mispronounced or misspelled. Oh, I'd love that. It class. was amazing. Like Fongaparoa, up on the coast there. Not everyone forgets it's got a little a at the end before the o, so it's Fongaparoa. Fongaparoa. Yeah, it's got an a. People think it's R O A, but it's R A O A. I'll show you it. Oh, I'll show you it in there okay. about Fongaparoa. But then there were heaps of ones like a, um. Like honing your skills, mm-hmm. and a lot of people say homing, oh, no. homing your skills, like a homing pigeon. Yeah. Um, then there's the splitting, spitting, um, all intensive purposes, <laughs> purposes instead of intense in purposes. For mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that gets said a lot on this station. Uh, I'll tell you that for free. For mind. Who's the best player on the park for mind. Uh, yeah. Look, there's a lot out there. There are a lot out there. Oh, we could go into frustration. Su- um, oh. Yeah, my, Katie actually criticizes me because, and it's I'm certainly not intentionally doing it. It's just maybe the way I said it as a kid. But I say I've said this on here before. But I say monsters, like with a G almost. Monsters, monsters. It's just the way I said it as a kid, and it's just the way I said it. Monsters, but I know it's monsters. I can imagine that that would specifically annoy her. There's actually an ad that's running at the moment. I'm pretty sure that says specifically. Really, it says. Specifically, da, 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 da. now I remember Grant Elliott and uh, Daniel McCarty on the Saturday session one day, and there's a word that Daniel McCarty can't say, and I think it's avocado. Oh, avocado. No, and I can't remember how he said it. Am- avocado. I, I can't, and he just Amicado. he just can't get his head. He needs to read it to be able to say it. Wow, that's interesting. Just a really random word. That's like me in rural. Mm. A rural, rural. Br- a brewery. Rural round. Every every time someone says brewery, you sound like those. And I'm going to say those people because I know a couple of them and I love them, but people that can't pronounce their R's properly. <laughs> Brewery. Squirrel. I've got a mate who can't squirrel. say squirrel. My dad calls them penguins. <laughs> 423 for five on New Zealand. Just bringing it all the way back to that. Uh, they finished the second session of the day. Kane Williamson getting a big round of applause as he walks off the beautiful picturesque basin reserve. It's a lovely walk, actually, um, because you're forced to walk in front of the crowd once you make your way through the pickets and then you walk up the up the steps and, and you go. So Kane Williamson, unbeaten on 113. Uh, Tom Blundell, fantastic contributor this Test Series, 62 of 106, which sees New Zealand at 4.23 for five. They have a lead. <laughs> they have a lead of 197. And I just will see him absolutely losing it. Yeah, that's because I – oh, you continue and I'll – no, Hang on to that. I was going to say, me and Manai have just come up with a beautiful business opportunity. If you'd like to join in, staff, 33.3% recurring between us. Um, we're going to start up a brewery, mm-hmm. and it's going to be called um, Squirrels Rural Brewery. <laughs> and we'll just let people wrap their tongue around that <laughs> on a daily basis. And the, and the board looking over it will be the uh, the Bureau of uh, Ru- <laughs> Squirrels Rural Bureau of Brewers. <laughs> Presents Squirrels in. Rural Brewery. I'm in. And if you can still say the name of the beer after six of them, the next six are free.
I like that. And we do that one like that pub in the um, US where you flip a coin and if it lands on heads, you get your next drink for free. Uh, if it lands on tails, you uh, you pay double. Mm. I like it. I like it. We'll have a break. We'll find out what happened back in the day after this. Back in the day. February 27, 1988, the Olympic debut, debut of the Jamaican bobsled team at Calgary. Calgary. Uh, 2008, LeBron became the youngest to reach 10,000 points. He was just 23 years of age. Um, however, the Boston Celtics got 22 points from Ray Allen and they beat James and Cleveland 92 87. 2011, a very rare feat. England and India fought out a classic tie at the World Cup in Bangalore. Look, it's a tie. A tremendous contest. Say at the end of it all, the ideal result. You can see smiles on the faces. No team deserved to lose after scoring that many runs. England should have won it with eight overs to go. But at the end of it all, the scores tied. England 338 for eight. Sachin Tendulkar getting a century, contributing to India's 338. Andrew Strauss made 158, along with a very generous bowling from India. Uh, it gave them a chance. It left them chasing 29 off the last two overs and then five off the last three balls. And with just one ball remaining, they needed two to win, but could only manage a single. Birthdays today, 79 years of age, is Graham Pollock, South African test batsman, one of the great South African first fives, Nas Borta. 65 years of age and Elijah Taylor turns 33 today and just a note Elijah Taylor's just put out a podcast on the Waddle Ad platform which you can get on the SENZ app James Marshall a whole library of wonderful episodes there and Elijah Taylor will be a very very interesting listen got fleeced by his manager to the tune of 400 grand so listen to that yarn on this day in 1971 the number one movie is one that I've never seen it was called Gold, uh, Cold Turkey and the number one song was by the Osmonds. One bad apple don't spoil a whole bunch, girl. Oh, give it one more try before you give up on love. One bad apple don't spoil a whole bunch, girl. Oh, I don't care what they say. I don't care what you heard. And that little soprano voice you heard there was actually Jimmy Osmond. Even, yeah, no, it sounds a bit like the Jackson 5, but yeah, Donnie, Marie... Uh, baby Jimmy, um, uh, the, the Donnie Marie were actually performing in Las Vegas when I was there. I thought oh, I might just go along for a bit of a laugh. Sold out, sold out the whole week I was there. Uh, as was Celine Dion. Um, Carrot Top was sold out. Got to go and see Chris Angel. Got to go and see Cirque du Soleil and Blue Man Group. And amongst all of those, the best was Blue Man Group. Fantastic. Right, so that is uh, our back in the day. One Bad Apple, that tune is called. Uh, We will take our last break. Um, We're going to hand over to the run home very shortly. But uh, we'll recap the day, and I'll give you an update on the cricket. Uh, The second session is over. Back. That will do us for the first half here at Orange Theory Stadium. And it's been tight, and it's been fluid. That is for certain. And at halftime, the Crusaders lead the Chiefs by 10 points to 7. 10 points to 7. Needed the penalty. Didn't come. Thanks, Ref. Also, I've never heard of something being described as both tight and fluid. Uh, interesting. <laughs> tight on the scoreboard. <laughs> haven't you? But fluid. <laughs> anyway, that didn't go. You're... 
You're fine, Manai. You're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you uh, 72 hours notice. <laughs> you can leave. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, Steph, our final pick.